All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Star K Media Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's good? And Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 191, full swing, full motion. We are so glad to be here with you and for you to be here with us as we got a lot to unpack in the world of sports, in particularly in the NFL side of things. But, man, we like to mix it up. We like to keep it clever, if you will, with our guy, Eddie, and he always has some great questions for us. Man, we got, like I said, a lot to get to, man. I'm going to have some opening thoughts as far as what we got going on in the world of sports with the Chiefs and the NFL. We got the Eddie Hour. Like I said, he's always got some thought-provoking questions across the landscape of the world of sports. We're going to give you guys some Week 9 NFL picks, what we see going down. Could potentially see some hot take upsets. I know Trevor already warned us that he might have a hot take or two this week as well. Stay tuned because I might have one as well. and I can't wait to get to that. We're obviously going to be breaking down the Chiefs versus Titans. The Chiefs are finally playing football again. Feels like an eternity since they last played. And they are back Sunday Night Football hosting the Titans. Can't wait to get to that. And obviously, we're going to end this show with a round of L's, as we always do. We're going to have some people holding some L's for us. And if you have not already done it, we like to bring it up at the top and bottom of every single episode. Go ahead and hit us up on YouTube. Subscribe to our channel, man. We are, we've are we got a lot of growth there, but we'd like to see even more of that. We appreciate everybody that's already been a part of that. So if you've already done that, just spread the word, man. Let the people know where they can find us. We do the show each and every Saturday, and we, uh, we definitely enjoy what we do here, man. But I want to start at the top here with some thoughts. We saw that the NFL trade deadline had came and went since the last time we did our show on November 1st is when it all went down and uh, I was somebody that was very much anticipating the Chiefs to be at least moderately aggressive with their approach and what they were going to do and maybe fill some needs or fill some voids that they see fit out there in the trading market and the beautiful thing about the Chiefs going into this trading deadline was they were one of those teams out there that had both draft capital to utilize if they wanted to make a trade, an aggressive trade, or just a moderate trade. And they had enough cap space to fit a guy in that, that maybe potentially on his rookie deal like a Brian Burns or a Josh Allen. Two guys that I know we all were very much interested in, and I know the Chiefs have been putting in uh, some, some questions for those guys and see what their availability is. And when the trade deadline came and went, and the Chiefs really didn't make anything of note as far as acquisitions is concerned outside of the Kadarius Tony trade the week previous, um... I was disappointed, but not in the way of being disappointed at the Chiefs as if they didn't do enough. Because outside of that, my my, my first remark on Twitter when I posted as soon as, I, as the trade deadline came and went, the Chiefs are still going to win the Super Bowl in my eyes. Because this team wasn't in a position going into the trade deadline where they had to make a trade in order to salvage their season or in order to give themselves an actual chance of winning a Super Bowl. They weren't in that predicament. The Chiefs are one of the three best teams in the NFL, and they're clicking on all cylinders at the right time of the season going into November. That's when you want to be playing your, at your best towards the second half of the season beginning. 
And so I didn't. I wasn't in a place where I felt like the Chiefs had to make a move. But I was very much hoping and and, and really pushing towards the idea that the Chiefs can go and get, in particular, an edge rusher of sorts. Um, it, it was starting to look like Brian Burns was going to be a little unrealistic for the Chiefs and other teams because the Panthers were really asking for a lot. And I don't blame them because you're seeing guys like Bradley Chubb going for a first-round pick. And, Bra- and Brian Burns is significantly better than Bradley Chubb at this point of his career. And so I was of the belief that that, that was probably not going to happen. I was making peace, which is why I was going back to my guy, Jaguars, Josh Allen. That's my guy. That's the guy I've wanted for two years. And, and it did sound like the Chiefs were really trying to get him. But I think because of the fact that the Jaguars know that they have control over him for the next year or two, that they can maybe just hold off and see if there's better offers out there while not helping an AFC opponent that's going to be in the Super Bowl contention for the next five to ten years. I get the Jaguars' point of view, and that's why that trade ultimately did not happen because I was also told by people that do know what's going on, the Chiefs were trying to get him. So I'm not overly upset about the fact that the Chiefs didn't get anybody of, of, of real note. I like, and we've talked about this, we talked about this last week on episode 190, that some of us are, are bigger than others on Kendarius Tony and what he can actually do for this team moving forward. And we're going to talk about him in just a minute because I do think that there is a legitimate chance he does play this week against the Titans. We can talk about how much he's going to play against the Titans, but that that's the guy that's of note. And to me, that's not a very big signing to this point. Could he become something special? Yes. But we'll talk about that in a minute. The, the, the move, though, I do want to talk about, and I want to get Trevor and Eddie's thoughts on this, is the Chiefs moving on from cornerback, veteran cornerback Rashad Fenton that's been on this team since 2018. Um, Rashad Fenton has been a very reliable guy over the last three-plus seasons. Uh, in fact, I think last season, if I'm not mistaken, he was graded as one of the best corners in football. He did a really good job in the opportunities he was given. Unfortunately, this time around, this season in particular, Rashad Fenton wasn't in a position to where he could re- rely on the fact that the Chiefs were, were basically playing him out of necessity. That's no longer the case, especially now the guys like Trent McDuffie, who the Chiefs just traded up for in the first round, was getting back and coming off the IR, was going to be activated off the IR. So there was leverage on the Chiefs' side of things with Rashad Fenton, not to mention the fact that Rashad Fenton's also been dealing with injuries. I know he had a hamstring injury that's been ailing him all season, and it's been really showing. He's been really, really bad this year. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, according to our producer Clay Wendler, he was given up over a quarterback rating of 153 this season. I mean, that's just that's absurdity. It's almost a perfect quarterback quarterback rating when he's getting thrown the ball's getting thrown in his direction so the Chiefs ended up trading Rashad Fenton to the Atlanta Falcons for a conditional seventh round pick now when you think about that it's a conditional seventh round it's not even just a seventh rounder it's a conditional seventh round pick so at best it's a flyer pick at best which means the Chiefs probably aren't going to get anything in return in that regard from a draft yeah they basically gave away but here's the best part about it is the Chiefs now get $1.4 million in cap space in return, which is the big win, if we're being honest here. It isn't the, the actual draft pick. The Chiefs have, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, 12, 13 picks right now. Or over 10 picks, I do not know that for sure. So now we have to set our eyes on what the Chiefs are going to be doing in free agency. I am still very much of the belief, regardless of what they just did with Kadarius Toney, because, I, again, I know some people are big on him and think that he'll play a big role this season or a, a big enough role. I'm still not there. I'm willing to let it happen, but I, I'm not of that belief just yet. Dude's super talented, but I have my theories on him as to why it didn't work out in New York. I still very much believe the Chiefs are trying to get Odell Beckham Jr. Biggest reason why is because of the fact the guys that are the, the closest to the team reporter-wise are all still saying that very same thing. I don't believe that it's a guaranteed thing by any means, but I do believe, and by the way, happy birthday to Odell Beckham Jr. It's his 30th birthday today. I put out there happy birthday to the future Chief because I still do believe if the Chiefs want a guy bad enough and he's a free agent and you don't have to really give up anything – 
that, that more than likely the Chiefs are going to go and get him. And the biggest reason why is because of the fact that the Chiefs have now more than enough cap space to fit him in. The Chiefs have around $5 million in cap space. Odell Beckham Jr. is not going to be getting anything of substantial amount of money from any team he goes to. And we all know that Odell Beckham Jr. isn't going to just go to any team. He's going to go to a team that's a contender. So right now, there are only a select few teams out there that can even put him in that would make sense for him to produce, for him to contend, and for him to make decent amount of money. The Chiefs right now are in the best, in my opinion, the driver's seed. I know the Bills are attached to him because him and Von Miller are very close and they play together in LA. Mm -hmm. But the problem with the Bills, they don't have the cap structure. They just signed Naeem Hines, who took up $2 million on their cap space, and also the fact that they already have three proven receiving options on their offense. Now, the Chiefs have Travis Kelsey and then everybody else. Now, Juju's really come together. MVS has been solid. But if Odell Beckham Jr. came here today, if the Chiefs signed him today, he is automatically the wide receiver too on this team. He, him and Juju would be neck and neck for that number one wide receiver position, which would be wide receiver two here because of Travis Kelsey. So he has, he has the opportunity to win a Super Bowl here. He has an opportunity to make decent money. And he has the opportunity to be a legitimate con, a contributor to a great offense. To me, that makes the most sense for Odell Beckham Jr. And it's not even just me that's saying that. Victor Cruz, a former teammate of his with the New York Giants, said this very same thing less than two weeks ago on national TV. He goes, if he wants to win, you go to Kansas City. And for me, if the Chiefs are going to whiff, and it's whether they did all they could or not, doesn't matter. I'm at peace with what they did and didn't do during the trade deadline. If you're going to whiff, though, on big names like Josh Allen, Brian Burns, guys like that, that you can add to your structure, then you need to lean all the way in on making your offense as great as possible so that way, if you're defense has any inefficiencies you can make up for that by having an offense that is just absolutely stacked from top to bottom with a great quarterback great offensive line and great receiving options that's where i think the chiefs are at right now i have to believe that's where their mind is at right now because you're not going to go out there on the market right now and find free agent defensive players that are going to make big moves i know people have talked about indomitian sue we don't even know if indomitian sue wants to play football anymore and he's 36 years old i think that he's moved on with his life i know he hasn't officially retired yet because he probably keeps that door open but we don't even know if he wants to play football anymore. So what I'm saying is Chiefs need to focus on the offensive side. There is without question the only the best receiving option out there available is Odell Beckham Jr. I have to believe that's where the Chiefs minds are at. That's where I think they're gonna do and I think they have a really good chance of happening doing doing just that. Yeah, I mean um for me it's it's simply between the Bills and the Chiefs. Both I think both of us have enough cap space to sign him. Um it really comes down to where he wants to go, I think. because um, he's only gonna make a mill or two, uh, most likely, but I I think the Von Miller thing does hold weight. I think that is a situation where that can that could be the deciding factor for him and where he ends up going. Um, both destinations are going to be cold. It ain't L.A. You know, Buffalo's cold. Kansas City gets cold around the time of year. He's going to start finally getting back to playing football. So that's not really a factor, I think, in the choice here. I think winning comes down to it. I think Buffalo and Kansas City are the best options to win. Um, Buffalo seems to be completely all in this season, and they have some things that are going to change, obviously, coming in the next year, paying certain players. Uh, so that changes things. So I think this is obviously a one-year rental deal going on here with, with Odell. I would love to have him in Kansas City. I think it's most likely that he lands in Buffalo. I, I, I think that. I think it's most likely. But I think it's still likely that he lands here as well. With those being, there was really only two options. I know the Packers early on were in the sweepstakes, apparently, which would be a good signing for them. But it wouldn't be a good signing for him. Because it's not the best situation to win uh, as far as team football goes. So... Um, as far as the Odell thing goes, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. I won't be surprised if he signs with the Bills. I won't be surprised if he signs here either. Um, but as far as the Kadarius Tony thing goes, um, I like that signing. I know we've touched on that before, but, um, uh, 
Yeah, I like that signing, and I, I I'm okay. I am at peace as well. So it does not make any moves. Uh, I would like to have seen um, an edge rusher added to this roster at some point in the, before the trade deadline ended, but um, I'm okay with it too. I think that just shows you the belief they have in um, George Karloftis. Uh, he's been getting the pressures. I think I just think they believe the sacks are are coming. They're on their way. Um, that could start this week. I think in a juicy matchup for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could see that definitely transpire this week. So. The trade deadline, I'm okay with us not making the moves that we, uh, you know, outside of the Rashawn Fitton dump. Uh, I think we found who we like in, you know, and uh, Williams and some other guys here. So um, I think Watson's shown that he's a starter on this roster. I think he's shown that. So I think we're we're safe with the the guys that don't hold as much and don't allow a damn near perfect QB rating when they're thrown on. So I loved Rashawn Fitton in the past. I loved him on this roster. He's, he was a part of some special teams and some special moments, but. He's kind of on his decline, I think it looks right now, and he's he just holds too much, and he's he's had some costly penalties that have cost us damn near games. So I just I'm okay with moving on with that guy, and um, hope for the best for him. Um, Atlanta's a, a, a team on the rise, so that could be a spot where he can maybe find himself again, and you know do some things there for that defense that needs some some DB depth, so he can be helpful over there. But yeah, that's uh that's pretty much how I've seen things so far. So. I don't think there's a soul out there that would hate uh, bringing in OBJ or that would dislike mm. not having OBJ. I think everybody would love to have OBJ. The The run he had with the Rams leading into the Super Bowl before he got injured, was he helped the Rams out a lot. He helped Cooper Cup become who he was last season. Yeah. Uh, so adding him to this offense, putting him with Juju, Kelsey, MVS, who already have a, a chemistry with uh, Patrick Mahomes. And then obviously you got Sky Moore, who's going to be focused more on the receiving end instead of the, the punt returning and all that stuff, adding uh, Kadarius Tooney. It, it would just add so much more spice to this to this offense that's already full of spices, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Uh, so... I would love that signing if that happens. I, I would love what what he can bring to this to this team, especially leading into the playoffs. Because I think if we bring OBJ, it will be for the playoffs, and I think that's when we'll we'll start seeing OBJ uh, have a, a a a bigger role in this team. Uh, so that would be a great signing. Uh, I was a little upset that that we didn't we didn't aggressively trade for somebody this. Uh, this trade deadline, I, I really, I'm with Trevor. I really wanted a, a edge rusher, somebody that can help get to that quarterback. Yes, we can put the pressure, but we can't bring the quarter. We, we're, we're struggling a little bit with bringing the quarterback down, and I think bringing one uh, uh, edge rush would would help facilitate Chris Jones bring down the quarterback a lot. Lot uh, Denlap getting in there, part of Car Carloftis getting in there. So I, I I thought we needed a little bit more help with that. Uh, but I'm okay. I think this defense is good enough. Uh, I think the offense makes up for for what the the defense has deficiency wise. So well, not, and, and not I, too concerned on that. And I like that point you're bringing up about like Carlos Dunlap, the acquisition him, and and, and Karloftis. I think what it came down to is it, it, the Chiefs had the unfortunate 
uh, circumstance of teams that they were probably looking to trade with also winning games. Yeah. Like, I believe if the Commanders would have lost to the Colts this last week and moved, I think, to 2-6 and six, or whatever their record would have been at that time, I do think Montez Sweat would have been available, and I do think the Chiefs would have been interested. Their name was attached loosely, but it was still there, and I think it would have heated up with them, also being conference to conference. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- but I do think Josh Allen was the guy the Chiefs were, were, were heads their heads were set on. I just think the Jags were probably asking for a bunch, which is kind of confusing because they have a multitude of guys at their defensive pass rush, they're going to have to be in the next few years with Trayvon Walker and those other guys that are there right now. So I, I, I think I do believe the Chiefs tried their best. And from everything I had heard, everything we had seen, they were putting it out there. So I, I'm going to be at peace with that, especially when I know this team is still very suitable to win a Super Bowl without that type of aggressive maneuver. And this offseason, this next offseason, the Chiefs have a ton of options. They're saying with all the maximum extensions, if they do maximum extensions, they're going to have well over a hundred and some odd million dollars in cap space. And Josh so, Allen will be a free agent. This Josh Allen awesome. will be a free agent. And then you're talking about Chris Jones because he gets an extension. You can trade him for a first-round pick. Things of that nature as well. There's a lot of options the Chiefs have after this season, so I feel good about what they're doing. What I'll say about the OBJ thing real quick, and then we'll move forward, is... I have actually seen people push back about OBJ. I know, Eddie, you think, because logically it makes sense you add him. Because people that look at it from just a simply a football sense, it makes all the sense for you to add him to this type of offense. But I have seen a lot of pushback. And it's, and it's something that I don't really understand, because to your point... He was one of the biggest contributors to the Rams winning the Super Bowl last year. And he actually already had a knee injury going into that Super Bowl and still was on the way to be the MVP of that game before it fully blew out. So, and I know people are talking about, well, he's got multiple ACL tears now in his career. That is all the more reason why the Chiefs should be all in because you're not asking him to come in and be your wide receiver one. It'd been one thing if the Chiefs were like literally just lacking. And let's say they had the Packers wide receivers. That would be an absolutely, you can't expect OBJ to come in here and, and become your wide receiver one when you have nobody out there besides him and only him to, to produce for the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs are in a position where they can ease him in, like Eddie just said, and like I've been saying for over a month now. You can just ease him in, and then in December and January, this guy becomes somebody that can become that player, and it gives him five, six, seven, eight weeks to really get that as opposed to, all right, you got to hit the ground running now. No, this isn't the situation he'd be in. And plus, because of those types of injuries, because of his age now, he's no longer a young receiver, you can get him cheaper. You're not going to have to give him a $10 million deal. And look what just happened this last season with Juju, who had a shoulder injury last year, nowhere near as significant as an ACL tear. She's got him on a one-year up to $10 million in incentives. I think it was only like $6 million in base. So if you're looking at a 25-year-old Juju Smith-Schuster coming off a shoulder injury, and you can get him for one year five up to 10, you're getting a 30-year-old off back-to-back ACL tears on a one-year two to three with a five total in incentive. So this move is very much realistic for the Chiefs. It all fits from on the field and in the cap structure. And I want to put something to bed real quick, and I know you'll have some quick thoughts, Trevor, because I know I can tell. OBJ is not a bad guy. He's not a poison to the locker room. Every single team he's been on, his teammates loved him. And you know why you know that? Because people will come to his defense on social media. The Rams still haven't taken down his locker. Thank you. Yeah. They, they've told him that he'll, they'll gladly give him back his jersey number. They'll like These teams want this guy not just because he's extremely talented. Mm-hmm. It's because his teammates really like the guy. Even in Cleveland, when things were just an utter mess out there because of Baker Mayfield's inability to get him the ball, he was still out there playing ball every day. He wasn't making scenes. He wasn't you know holding court in front of the press conferences talking about me, 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 I, I, I. Never. So we need to put that to bed. Chiefs fans have got to stop doing that. Yes, he has an ego. 
So do majority of NFL players, including our beloved Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes has an ego. They all got egos. There's nothing wrong with that. These guys are superstar athletes. That's what comes with it. Some guys are better at handling than others, but I don't like this false narrative surrounding OBJ that, oh, he's going to come in here and he's going to poison this locker room, and he they just can't gel because they... Guys, are we forgetting that just three, four months ago we were coming into the season not knowing who they really had to rely on? And now it's the number one scoring offense. I'm, I'm confident they'll figure out a way to fit OBJ into the equation, especially when he's not the guy everyone's so quick to judge him to be. Yeah, and I, I think for me, I'm man enough to admit that my main reason, because I don't think he's a necessary signing for the Chiefs. He's not. No. This offense is already the best offense in football right now, and we're, we're, we're coming off a bye. And we Cherry all, on top. We all know what the Chiefs do after a bye. Even if we don't win the game directly after the bye, we tend to win most of our games yeah. uh, after the bye week. Uh, so we tend to, to right the ship, and our ship was already right before the bye. So um, my main reason for wanting to get OBJ here is to avoid him going to the Bills because I'm a man enough to admit that it will be a problem if he goes to the Bills. Yes. Because the Bills won't already beat us without him, and they add him. That is a scary-ass team to face in the postseason. I think we all know that we're on a trajectory to face each other again, most likely uh, us being the two best teams in the AFC, unless the Dolphins you know, have something to say about it, which I don't, I'm not sure about that yet. But uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident we'll see them again at some point, unless something happens to one of the other teams. Um, so... My main reason, it's this being a chess move for me, is avoiding him signing with Buffalo because I think there's a lot of draw to get him there uh, with his relationships with people he knows there. Uh, so avoiding that would be a, a, a bigger move for the Chiefs. For me, is not about his production he could bring to this team offensively. It's more about avoiding the, the, the production he could bring to the Bills offense. Playing keep away. Avoiding that. Absolutely. Playing keep I, away. I don't think there's any – there's no there's – no, uh, um, Fault, not fault, but there's no like, no one should look down on the Chiefs for making that move for that reason. Absolutely, especially when there's cap space available. Right. So I, I yeah, that that's for me was the biggest reason why I want him here because that avoids the Bills that that avoids that whole process of the Bills adding that that much more of a, another weapon to that offense that's already deadly as it comes. And I want to say something real so, quick to that for me, yeah. And then we'll go, we'll move on to the Eddie Hour. Um, you know, everyone does talk about him being Von Miller being close, and that is 100 percent a thing. I believe that was a large part of why he went to the Rams. But let's not pretend that these other two things don't exist. One, the Rams had a Super Bowl winning team last year. They were very much good enough without Odo Beckham Jr. before he got there. Right. And two, it's L.A. Like, who? a superstar player going to L.A., that's about as common sense as it gets. Mm -hmm. That's like me buzzing my bald head. That it, we know it's going to happen. And, From and, Cleveland, too. Thank you. Like, we all knew the incentives were there for him to do it. So Von Miller was a nice little addition to it all. But I'm willing to bet the Rams were a team he was looking at with whether Von Miller was there or not. And then another part of this is, and people seem to forget this or overlook this, don't care about it or whatever, Odo Beckham Jr. and Travis Kelsey are very good friends. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to start playing that game, let's start playing that game on the other side of it too. You know that Travis Kelsey and Odo Beckham Jr., Patrick Mahomes, these guys have all talked. They've all discussed whether he wants to come here or not. So I guarantee you, there's yes, there's a pull and a prodding of going on from the Bills to the Chiefs because Von Miller knows you add Odo Beckham Jr., that ups the ante that much more. It makes them that much scarier like Trevor just alluded to. Just like Von Miller would know if he goes to Kansas City, the, the, the Odo Beckham goes to Kansas City, that puts the Chiefs over the edge. So you're right. The Chiefs don't need him. But if you add him to that, it not only keeps him away from the Bills, but it adds that much more talent to the Chiefs wide receiving core, which isn't necessary, but is a lovely thing and something we all should accept. Like Eddie oh, yeah. said, it should be common sense you would want that to happen. Say, yeah, say the scenario. I'd be content with this scenario. If, if we the Chiefs sign OBJ 
And he's not that much of an impactful player on this offense. He's like a so-so player. He makes plays here and there. I'd rather that than him go – than the risk, the, the, the allowance of him going to Buffalo – and being a stud, I brought it up on the, uh, the that chief, frightens me. Yeah, I put it I put it up on the Chief Concern podcast just yeah. last week or a couple weeks ago. I said, yes, the Chiefs are fine right now, wide receiver. But who would you in your in your world in your perfect worldview would you rather have as your wide receiver three or four, Justin Watson or OBJ? Yeah, uh, it's not even close. Yeah, look, like, at you it, clearly want OBJ. It's like a, the Melvin Ingram signing, but like for the offense. You know, we signed Melvin Ingram. He, he immediately brought that juice to the defense. The defense was just changed after right. that signing, what he brought to the locker room, that right. veteran presence. Right. That's what we're looking for in the offense. So the basement floor is he's a wide receiver three or four, and the high end is him and Juju are neck and neck for wide receiver one. That's he, a, that's about as ideal as it gets, man. He's been there we he's know what Justin it. Watson is. Yeah. He's here, and then OBJ is a whole other category of talent. So that's that's where we'll leave it. Nevertheless, we're going to get to the each and every, each and every week. Eddie's got some thought-provoking questions for us across the land landscape of the world of sports we never know what he's about to ask so i'm fully prepared as about prepared as i can be as an unprepared individual what do you got eddie reactions to jake paul beating uh spider anderson silva uh last week uh there was one time i was on youtube and i saw a a video of these uh ballroom dancers and it was really impressive like how fluid and smooth it looked they very much choreographed it very beautifully it was it was precise and you could definitely tell these people had grown up dancing very well that's a lot what i saw in the sanderson silva jake paul fight now i know trev's guy joe rogan is trying to say it was all legit and all this other stuff and i know that's because anderson silva is a worthy greatest of all time type of fighter in the ufc so i know that's joe rogan's stance Guys, I I, wa I went and watched the fight, and although there are real hits, I'm not sitting here saying the whole thing was rigged. I'm saying that it went exactly as I predicted, as we talked about on last week's show. It was a dance. It was it was you know tagging here and there, this and this. Anderson Silva clearly held back on a few strikes. I saw him multiple times was playing with Jake Paul. If it really was about the winning, it was really about Anderson Silva going there and getting a victory, I do believe Anderson would have won that fight because he is clearly the better fighter between the two. All credit to Jake Paul for training and getting all this stuff down until he actually fights a boxer. And I know you're right, Eddie. He did try previously to this Anderson Silva fight. I'm not going to knock him for that. But I am going to knock him for the fact that people are trying to call him a legitimate boxer when he has not fought anybody of legitimate boxing pedigree. Anderson Silva, to his own credit, is also pushing 50. And he's been retired out of UFC for three and a half years now. So I, I, I have a hard time believing that this fight gives him any more clout or credence. And in fact, from what I heard, his MVP, his pay-per-view buys were down. I think he only got like 300,000 pay-per-view buy, pay buys. That's that's not good at all. He lost millions of dollars. So it, is, it isn't even good business at this point. So I think if he really wants to become a legitimate boxer and be legitimized in the eyes of people that are purists, casual fans of boxing, he needs to actually start lining up some real fights because he, I mean, what is he 26 27 right now this is a perfect time for him to start get some real fights in so that when he gets into his 30s and he's, he's at his physical prime he can start to really put together some good fights and then and then that's when he's going to get my respect but until then man this was just a ballroom dance i don't know if that's ever been his goal though i mean i don't think he's ever been, like, he's set out to have the goal to be like a professional i think he's created his own demographic in the sport which i respect I do. I respect that. I think he is a legitimate boxer, not a legitimate pro boxer, because he's not out here fighting pro boxers. But I think he has legitimate skill set to be a legitimate boxer. I think he is legitimate as a boxer. He's got extremely good power. Um, he's he's definitely grown as if you go watch his film when he first started training. He's, he's trained by a lot of the best trainers in the world. Uh, so I think he's got legitimate skill as a boxer. Um, I'm not going to put him in the pro category because he's not a pro boxer. He's not. 
Um, he, he's created his own subset of the sport, and I kind of respect it. Uh, the sales might have been down on this one because, I mean, I figured Anderson Silva's name would have had some more pull on that one, but uh, maybe not. Maybe ten years. Or maybe ago. <laughs> maybe people maybe people are getting tired of the shtick. Maybe this yeah. isn't going to last for long because I know he was talking about retirement two fights ago. Yep, and he fake retired for like a week. You know, so I, I like it. I think it's entertaining. Uh, you can call it choreographed. I think it was a legitimate fight. I think Anderson Silva lost. Um, it, but it went all the way. You know, they both were hitting. They both got each other good a few times. Uh, but I give it to Jake, man. You you can't deny the dude has legitimate pop on power on his hits. He legit he has good pop on his hits, and uh, you can't deny that on the film. Uh, so it is what it is. I'm not. I don't. I don't even dress address this as like a true sports situation here. It's just it's just pure entertainment, and yep. that's what it was, and that's what people paid for. Um, and that's all I look at it as. Like it's a real it's a real fight. I believe it's a real fight, um, and I believe Jake won. But I'm not like gonna like defend him as like some pro fighter because he's not he's created his own subset of celebrity deathmatch style type stuff that's going on here you know it's it's it's, it's youtubers against uh, uh uh other celebrity fighters and you know taking guys that aren't true boxers and you know having them just you know throw hands and it it, it is what it is but i think he's a legitimate boxer i do i think he's got legitimate skills um but i don't i don't put him in the category as a legitimate professional boxer he's not a professional but I thought it was entertaining. Um, both the guys have respect for each other, so that's all I really asked for. Um, a respectful fight, and that's what those guys did, and they made money. Regardless, and, I don't know I was if they say, lost. Anderson made the bag. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. He probably made more money in that fight than he made in any other UFC fight. That's why I respect it, though, because Jake gives these guys great payday. It might be yeah. the biggest payday of Anderson. That's what I'm saying. And he's one yeah. of the, arguably the greatest to ever do it in the UFC. Yep. That's kind of sad. So I, I kind of have respect for Jake doing that, and I think you know, I mean, he's, he's created a cool subset of the sport, mm -hmm. so I can't knock it. I mean, Anderson Silva does come from uh, being a pro boxer. True. Uh, in a long Jr. time ago. Oh, that was, oh, yeah, that, was Jr. that was last year. No, well, but he, he he boxed before he went to the UFC. No, but I'm saying he just beat a pro boxer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. So, that's what I'm saying. That's, like, like, that's what I'm saying. Legitimate skills, some, of the, some, of the, some of the sequences in the fight, it looked like Anderson was just holding back. Because he was like doing the little hand, like he was like moving well, his hand. Like, that's what, that's, that's, I think that's what's respect I mean, to Jake's power, though. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time. That, the ropes if, a couple if, times. If, at the same time, if you look at Anderson Silva's fights, that's kind of how he oh, fights. Oh, yeah, he's freestyle. He just kind of yeah. does some shit mm -hmm. like. That's how he got caught with uh, Chris Wild or Chris, uh, Whiteman. Whiteman. He was well, rolling he was, around. Whiteman caught him. caught him and put him to sleep. Yep. So. I, I think that's just who Anderson Silva is. I think Jake Paul is a real fighter. I think he's a real boxer. Uh, he's, he's good. I, I, I'll tell you this right now. If I was to get in a ring with Jake Paul, he'd beat my <laughs> oh, he'd ass. Oh, he'd ass. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He'll he's fucking knock legit. me out. He'll put me to sleep. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, so I give Jake Paul credit that he's tried He's tried multiple times to fight a pro boxer, but they just all come up with excuses. Yeah. I get it. They don't want to. They don't want to be the ones losing to a YouTuber. I think that's why a lot of people, a lot of boxers are not uh, taking the fight because they know he's a real fighter, but they they don't want to admit it because... Well, they don't want to go down to his level. I mean, there's a pride issue there as well, I'm sure. These guys work their whole I, That's kind of where lives. I'm at. I actually I, think it's I more about it. that. I, yeah. Because but, the money's going to be there, and yeah, I think they, but at the same they time, would risk it for money. I, I really do. I think a lot of these fighters would risk it for the money they would get. That purse yeah. would be huge. Yeah. So I think but, it's more about the pride thing. That's what I think it is. I think they don't want to fight a YouTuber. I, I, I just... I just think that they don't want to lose to a, uh, to 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 Jake Paul, and because be well, I'm sure that's a part of it. Because I, I know, because I know Jake Paul is is better than some of the boxers that we have now. Well, I thought he should have fought Mayweather, not well, Logan. He's who who what, like Logan. what boxers do you think he's better than? Like pro boxers? Oh, they're like worth, they're, they're, I mean, they're worth they're, mentioning. They're, they're, I'm I mean, saying like worth mentioning, like guys that are even like notable. 
Like, what, where would you rank him right now amongst, like, notable boxers? I can't imagine he's even in the top I can't 100. I can do that. Uh, yeah, probably, I probably not top yeah. 100. I mean, I, I would have to see him, like like you said, fight a, a professional boxer right. just to, to base off of that. But as to what I've seen, he, he can he can hang. There are some professional boxers out there that are lazy with it. They're, mm-hmm. I mean, almost anybody can be a professional boxer. But to be an elite, to be the top, like you said, top 100 and, like, like boxers out there, I, I, don't, I don't know. Well, let me ask you. Do you think he's ever going to fight a real boxer? I think. Yeah, so. I think so. Okay. I, I, I think if he, a, a perfect, a perfect fight for him would be fighting Chavez Jr. Because I think at this point Chavez Jr. would would one. take that fight, and he stated it before that he would take that fight with Jake Paul if the purse was right. Yeah. So I, I feel like if Jake Paul goes goes to Chavez Jr. and beats beats his ass, because I'm, that's one of the boxers that's you know his name's up here in the top 100s, but his skill level is. Diminishing, yeah, well, subpar. Fight, fight, what's his name? Uh, his son? Uh, well, no, he's gonna fight uh, uh, Fury's, Fury's brother, Fury's, Fury's brother. Tyson Fury. Yeah, Tyson yeah. Fury's brother. So, I mean, they, but, but I think Fury would have won that fight. No, Maybe uh, I would have picked Fury. I'd have picked. I'd have picked Jake Paul. Really? So yeah, too, I yeah. think Jake Paul's a better boxer than than Tommy Fury. Well, yes, because he's not really been. Tom, he's Tommy not like Fury's great not, by any means. No, he's I mean, not I've good. seen him actually fight. He's average. Beat pro boxers. He's average at best. I'm just saying, I have more. I have more reasonably Fury would win that fight than Jake Paul because Fury's actually beaten boxers. That's all I'm but, saying. I think that's a fair argument. But that's but that's what I'm saying. Like Jake Paul is better than some of these boxers because I think he's better than Tommy Fury when and, it comes to boxing thing. skill. I mean, Eddie, you would agree. I want to see him prove that. Yeah. Like if Jake Paul no, goes and yeah. beats a boxer, I bet or legitimate, and I'll I'm give just a standing ovation. Jake Paul, a paper tiger though, just because the competition that he's fought against. I, from what I see in his game, he's got legitimate skills, and his power is undeniable, dude. He has good. He has, he has legitimate power yeah. in his punches. I know. It just so. like it feels like Butterbean like like Butterbean was beating legit boxers, yeah. but it was like a kind of a shtick. Well, that's why this chubby dude I up there just swinging eight acres. Like, is, I know Logan's a much bigger, more popular version of the, between the two brothers. He's he, actually fighting here in a like an hour or like Jake Paul like, or uh, Logan, Logan Paul. Paul. Yeah, he's fighting for the WWE's. Is it Roman Reigns? Yeah, yeah. He's fighting for the championships in Saudi Arabia. So I'll tell you what, man. I love Logan Paul in WWE. He brings he brings that. Uh, that energy, energy. Yeah. Uh, he's a fucking great Bro, wrestler. I'll tell you that. Great I'll, I'll great tell showmen. you that. I'll, yeah. I'll, I can tell you right now, Logan Paul is is a better wrestler than some of the wrestlers that are out there right now they're, in, they're in WWE NXT. Tim and his brother are both great athletes. Yeah. They, they are legitimate for athletes. Jake Paul. For I mean, for Jake Paul, for Logan Paul to be a main eventing t- today in Saudi Arabia, one of the biggest pay per views WWE has. Well, that shows you the clout that he has. So well, I can also show you the lack of true talent the WWE has right now too. Because I think they're they're banking on guys like Pat McAfee and Logan oh, Paul, for sure. But like those, these, those are great. But Bad Bunny, but, you know, well, for sure. But yeah. they bring they bring they bring this, the the viewership, which yeah, is what WWE wants. Go but, for it, yeah. But would you just name three of the best celebrity wrestlers that they've ever had yeah. in the entire. Remember back in the kids was like Mike Tyson punching Shawn Michaels Dennis and like Rod- yeah. yeah Dennis Rodman like Shaq Donald every once in a while yeah, like, like yeah, yeah like Snoop Dogg <laughs> yeah. no like like. Bad Bunny is a good wrestler. Uh, yeah, I see Pat the video, McAfee's yeah. a Ronda fucking Rousey's great like the wrestler. Yeah. Uh, then you got obviously Ronda Rousey coming from the UFC. Mm-hmm. Nobody thought that she, she was going to be able to transfer like, that yeah. talent. She was able to. She do got a it. second contract, from what I heard. Uh, and then now you have Logan Paul, who is he's really good. He's really good in, uh, in wrestling. He's already uh, he's already headlined WrestleMania. He's so he's he's done a lot with with WWE and. And he's earned a contract, and mm-hmm. this is he, technically under his contract now with WWE. But yeah, it's just both brothers. I think I think they're really good athletes. So absolutely, 
there there has to be some of level of respect for Jake Paul. I think what he's doing, not a lot of people would would be able to do. You it's know gimmicky, I mean? but I respect it though. Yeah. So, all right. Let me open my phone. All right. Um. Oh, uh, we didn't talk about this last week. Uh, about the tweet from Rojo on on Twitter saying that uh, he was asking for his release. So should the Chiefs cut Rojo? No, I don't think the Chiefs should cut Rojo. I said that it should be one or two things before the trade deadline. They should either try to trade him for whatever they can get out of him. If they can't get anything, then keep him and activate him. Because in my opinion, I I still stand firm on it, guys. I think he's the best running back on this team. I really do. I I love what I'm seeing from Isaiah Pacheco. I think Clyde's been effective in in his time, and I actually think Clyde's been better as a backup, to be honest, because in games that he's actually come in to to play pace, he's actually played really, really well, and he scored touchdowns this year. I think he's got six or seven touchdowns this season. Yeah, so I'm not sitting here saying these other guys aren't playing well. McKinnon's played good in spots and stuff, things of that nature. But Ronald Jones has, and we've talked about this a hundred times, he's got abilities that I think that either these other running backs don't have or still haven't developed fully. Ronald Jones is, in my opinion, the perfect running back for the Chiefs outside of one thing, which is something I know is big on them. It's pass pro. It's protecting Patrick Mahomes. Ronald Jones is not very good at blocking. That's McKinnon's but, job. But he's very, very good at catching the ball out of the backfield, and he's actually a good between-the-tackles running back, too. So I, if it's my vote, I'd like to see him get some playing time. And I'm, I'm holding out hope. I have a feeling that later in the year we're going to get – Ronald Jones sightings. I do think he's going to get opportunities in December and January. There's a reason he's on this roster. I have a feeling he's going to be like the Jarek McKinnon of 2021 this year, where I don't want to say injury. I I don't want to be that guy. But if injuries do occur, I think because what, what the last report that we saw, the Chiefs said they are actually very big on Ronald Jones, and they're hoping to keep him after this season too. That's actually an, there's a legitimate report of that. So the Chiefs have future plans with him, and that's something that makes me think the Chiefs have an idea what they want to do with him this year too. So I understand his tweet, and I know people are trying to downplay it. Sean Barber was on six ten this week trying to downplay it, saying, "Oh no, he's just talking about life," and all. No, stop it. He's clearly talking about wanting to get really because he wants to play. I need some release. And I don't blame him at all, man. I want to see Rojo play because I think if he gets an opportunity, he's going to show the Chiefs and show all of us what I've been saying all along. So I want to see them motivate him. Well, I'm a believer that Isaiah Pacheco is the best running back on this team, but I do like Rojo. I am, I am on the Rojo train, and I loved that signing. Uh, before I knew who Isaiah Pacheco was before the draft and I, when we when we acquired Rojo, I said he, I think he was going to be the best running back in RB1 on this team. I like the fact that he's asking for a release because that means he wants to play. Yeah. Right. So if he, if he's hungry to play and he's not just worried about riding the bench on a on a good team that could possibly win a Super Bowl, I'm cool with that. That means he's not wor- he's not worried about himself entirely. He's worried about the game and he wants to play the game. And Andy Reid loves guys that want to play the game. He's he's made that clear about guys like Juju and guys that just love the sport and want to play and have fun and enjoy it. That have that kid like mentality where they just have that joy of playing the game. And I think that's what Rojo's wanting. He's wanting to get out there and get reps and play. But at the same time, Rojo knew what he signed up for. I don't think that they promised Rojo that he's going to be the RB one here and all these things. That would be different. I think he knew what he signed up for. He was he didn't he cleared waivers if I'm not mistaken. So I mean, not not a lot of people were like dying to get him on the roster. That he landed in the best spot possible, you know, in an Andy Reid led offense, and that tends to find a lot of success for running backs in a lot of different ways other than just running the ball. So. Yeah. Injuries are going to happen, like you said. I know it could be literally anybody. Um, although I do think Pacheco is the best guy for this job as the starting. Like, there's not a true bell, bell cow running back on this team. 
But I do think if there is one, I think it is Pacheco because like, I think he could do everything. I think he's a good pass catcher. He's very fast. Uh, will run through and around guys. He's got a skill set that I think is unique to the, a lot of the rest of these running backs. Although Rojo is similar, not as fast as Pacheco, but he's he's definitely he's a decently good ball big body catcher. running back and decently good yeah. ball catcher. And he's he's proven to be effective in uh, offenses. You know, with the Bucks and things like that, were very very uh, fiery offenses uh, when he was there. So he has a cream hunt esque type of way where he makes he can make the first guy miss and he's very hard to bring down. So that's always an effective kind of player you want on your team. Uh, and I think we will we will see him towards the end of the year. I think he's a good guy to bank on that will make some big plays come towards the end of the season, leading into the postseason to get other teams things to think about. I think there's a I think Andy Reid is just a mastermind. He's got plans for every player. He knows how to get the best out of every player's skill set. And I think Rojo just needs to be patient. I understand his concern. I understand his concern for himself, which you should always put yourself first in those situations if you want to play the game in your well and to your point i think the biggest reason why they're keeping rojo is obviously they know his skill set but it's also the fact that he has clyde who's an injury prone running back to this point of his career as well isaiah pacheco still is proven he's very raw talented but raw and jared mckinnon is a 30 year old running back with a ton of injury history history yes so i think that they're like trevor just said they're playing the long game here and i just hope that rojo holds tight because i really do believe he's going to play a role on this team in the next couple of months even if it's like one of the guys go down for a couple weeks full full season no knock on wood yeah. Um, he could have his opportunity. If he, if he thrives in opportunity, he could leapfrog somebody in this, this it roster. It happens. Eric so. Bieniemy's mentioned it. They'll run with a hot hand. Well, yeah, I mean, they I, they named Isaiah Pacheco last last game the starter. And over, I think that's also. I think they also did that to motivate Clyde even more to sure. light a fire, and it worked. But I do it like, worked. I, I, like you alluded to, I do like Clyde as kind of like that. Scat back almost. Not necessarily like the bell cow guy. Yeah. He's not, that's not what he's built for. But, yeah, as that guy that can come back, and they don't know if he's going to run. They don't know if he's going to catch. We found great ways to utilize him. This is his best season in his career. It feels career. like he scores a touchdown like every damn week. Yeah, it's Pat, hilarious. He's been finding him a lot yeah. more, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think you guys said uh, Rojo's. You say Rojo's the better running back in this game. If that was the case, why is he in, in the practice squad? I think it's because of the fact that the Chiefs were so high on Isaiah Pacheco in the draft. They fell in love with him. I don't think they were expecting him to be that far down in the draft. So I think they're trying to give him as many opportunities in the world to really pop. Because we see every single year at least five, six running backs a season come out of nowhere and they flourish. And I think the Chiefs see that in Pacheco. He's got they, – they've honestly – they've this is literally the Chiefs' words, not mine. They've compared Isaiah Pacheco to Kareem Hunt. And whenever they're comparing you to Kareem Hunt in a positive light, that means that they like you. Because we all know how special Kareem Hunt was here in Kansas City. So they see that in him. When it comes to Clyde, they took him the first round two years ago. So they're clearly trying to make sense of that pick. Mm. You know, they, they were so big on him. So they're still trying to make that work. And obviously, Jerick McKinnon is just a good fill-gap running back. So I don't think that he's really a threat to keeping Ronald Jones out. I really do believe if it came down to them trying to find a way to get Rojo on into the equation, McKinnon's the one that's out first. It isn't Clyde and it isn't Pacheco because they're the two young guys that they know still have a lot of promise. Jarek, we know what he is. We appreciate him. He's effective and all those things. Really good pass blocker and he makes good plays to extend drives. Screen plays. Yeah, but I think he's the interchangeable piece of all this if we had to really choose one. So I think that's why it is how it is right now. And I'm trusting the coaching staff to figure that out and and get the best players available when playoff time comes. Yeah. Uh, why haven't we seen this Geno Smith before? It's simple. He he didn't have the opportunities like he does now. Now I'm not talking about playing opportunities. I'm saying in the right situation. People people forget 
that when we talk about greatest players of all time, greatest quarterbacks of all time, we have to look at also what they benefited off of. Tom Brady is widely considered as the greatest quarterback to ever live because of the success he's had. Tom Brady doesn't have that success, or at least to the magnitude that he's had it, if he didn't have top 10 defenses for decades at a time, if he didn't have Bill Belichick as his head coach for 20-plus seasons. Like, those things are why they get those opportunities. Now, those guys have to capitalize off them, and that's what those guys have done. That's what's made them great. Look at Patrick Mahomes coming into Andy Reid's offense with all this talent. Well, look what he did. He's putting up historic numbers with it. Alex Smith wasn't doing that. That's why Alex Smith isn't an all-time great. Geno Smith was drafted by the Jets. And we all know how bad of a franchise they've been for like 40 years. So that makes sense that Geno Smith didn't succeed there. They had Todd Bowles as his head coach, a defensive-minded guy with no weapons. So yeah, he was going to fail. He had plenty of talent. Back in his Mountaineers days in West Virginia, he was putting up record numbers. He was killing teams back in college. That's the reason he was drafted where he was. Exactly. We all. I wanted him number one overall. I would have loved that because I think Andy Reid would have made him. That would have been a great situation for him with Andy Reid in 2013. Didn't happen. Now at 32 years Years old, he gets a chance to play with two All Pro corner or uh, wide receivers, mm-hmm. with a Pete Carroll Hall of Fame head coach. Arguably the best rookie running back in the league. Yeah, right now. and what do you know? He's putting up MVP candidate numbers. Mm-hmm. He's putting up numbers that are comparable to Russell Wilson over the last five years. So, in fact, they've actually been better. So that's my point: is that I once you get an opportunity, if you capitalize on it. You get your credence, you get your respect from me, man. So Gino, my guy, I believed in him for the last ten years. And he's finally getting a chance in a real, a, a true situation to win and succeed, and he's doing that. Yeah, I mean, why haven't we seen this Geno Smith? Don't ask Geno that because he's <laughs> he knows who he's been and who he always has been. He's always been an incredibly accurate quarterback, um, good, you know, deep deep ball thrower at times. Um, he gets the job done. He's a very he's a smart guy. He's a smart quarterback. He's got a high IQ for the game. Um, he's, I think he's a, a really good marriage with Coach Pete Carroll too. I think that's the kind of offense he's wanted to run, and I think. Man, even that that cryptic um, statement by uh, Tyler Lockett uh, a couple of weeks yeah. ago when he was talking about you know it's 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 nice when you when you go out here and we, we we win games as a team and no one has to worry about who gets the credit. That felt like a shot at Russ. You know what I mean? I felt like Russ has kind of always kind of been that that pre Madonna kind of guy that's out there kind of. And we've seen it so far in, in in Denver. It's it's you know it's, it was the Russ show, it was the Let's Ride, it was all these quotes and quips, and. It's falling apart. You know what I mean? It's not working now. They're fire selling their best defensive player and. You know things like that. It's just um, or one of their best defensive players, I should say. They have other guys, but um, yeah. Uh, Gino's a, Gino's been a good quarterback. He he's landed in bad spots. He, like you said, Lance in West Virginia, he was a baller. He he got drafted where he was. He had the draft equity and on on him for a reason. Um, and he's been always been a solid player. He's just a, been a guy that happened to be behind you know a potential Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, you know, and and a, and a Super Bowl winner. Um, you know, he was stuck behind that and he's got his chance and he's thriving, you know, and he's, he's surrounded by a great coach, a great team, uh, offensively for sure. The defense is kind of coming around. So that's this there. Seattle's looking like if he leads them to the, the, pl- the playoffs, which I'm, it's looking like, I think they more will. likely and likely every week. Yeah. Um, he might get the, the, you know, comeback player or, uh, most improved player or whatever. Oh, I think he gets is. comeback player of the year. Or it could be that. Could yeah. be that as well. Because I mean, he didn't really come back from anything, but obviously he won a starting job. Yeah, first round pick. So he technically yeah. he he probably will win that because he is thriving. He's he's um he's right up there statistically in almost every category with quarterbacks right now. So I could be happier for him, man. Yeah. Like I was skeptical about it. Um, at first, the first few weeks, I was like, is this kind of a you know that that big win you know over Russ week one? And there's a lot of expectations on the on the on the Broncos to win that game. They didn't, and they beat them. 
that was cool to see. I thought, like, okay, they get they shot their load. That was kind of their, their, their Super Bowl there to start the season off. They haven't really looked bad. And they've had some disappointing losses, but that defense is not great. But, I mean, that team, man, if, they, if he go and he win a playoff game or if they get to the playoffs, period, that's a story right there. So I, I couldn't be happy for Geno. I think he's always been a stud. Uh, he's just kind of finally, finally getting his chance to play on a good team, and he's thriving. And I think they're leading the division, right? Yeah. Right they now, have the, yeah. They have sole possession of the division. They're that's, five and three. It's crazy. That's yeah, crazy. so. <laughs> Granted, the Niners will pull away. Yeah, the Niners are a game behind, but yeah, I, I think the Niners are the better team. Yeah. But I think there, I think, I think the there's two teams team that make it out of that division, and I think it's I think it's the Seahawks and Niners right now. What's working for the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, I mean, I think what we saw from the beginning of the season is one big thing is they have the easiest schedule in football. Uh, they've played really no good quarterbacks, I think, outside of one, if I'm not. Yeah, and that was, well, no, they didn't play Dak Prescott. No, it was Cooper Rush. Was Cooper. So they've really benefited off they their bad schedule. Yeah. But what they have that's undeniable is just talent across the board. I mean, they have probably the best secondary in football. They have an incredible pass rush. And they have a Jalen Hurts quarterback that has developed into a true top 10 quarterback in this league. When I, when I put out my initial uh, quarterback rankings, 1 through 32, to start the season, mm. I had him at, I think, 19. And people laughed at well, me. He's like, turnover prone. Well, people were like, oh, there's no way he's a top 20 quarterback. And I'm like, I, I just think with the A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Miles Sanders and all these, and the best off, maybe the best offensive line in football. Like, Dallas Goddard, one of the best. If he doesn't football. succeed with this, then I think he's going to be a top 20 quarterback in this league. Well, now he's a top 10. And I think he's I think he's becoming I don't know if he's there yet, but I do believe he's becoming an MVP candidate because in my opinion, that team is led by more things than Jalen Hurts. I don't think he's the centerpiece of it all. I think you could put about ten to fifteen quarterbacks in that team right now, and they'd probably still be undefeated. But he's been insanely effective in the run game. I think he has seven rushing touchdowns. He had another two touchdown passes this last week. AJ Brown is having a career year. He's on pace for like fifteen touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Like I just I think this team just has so much young talent. It's cool too to see guys that are from all over the league coming together and just putting this team together the way they have with drafted guys like Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, uh, Devontae Smith, Jalen Hurts leading the way. It's really good to see, but I think they've capitalized on an easy schedule, tons of talent. Nick Sirianni's doing a great job as a head coach, but I do believe the real challenges are going to start coming. I can't wait to see what they do with that because they played a C-minus game against the Texans and still pulled away, and they looked great at the end. So I think this is a legitimate team. I don't want to downplay what they've done. I just think that they've benefited off of a lot of things that other teams haven't had yet. Yeah, what is working for the Eagles? Everything's working for them right now. Right. They're, they're, they're on cloud nine. I mean, they're undefeated. They're 8-0. Um, it's what's really going to be <clears throat> interesting to see is when they do take a shot, uh, you know, uh, they get smacked in the face and get punched in the teeth and they lose a game because it's going to happen. How they how do they respond to that? What is the resiliency of this team? And I fully believe with the leadership of Jason Kelsey and you know Sirianni is the coach who I love. Uh, I love that personality. They're very bought into his persona. They have a really grittiness to them. They're they're eight zero. They could just sit back and rest like they're the top dogs, but they go out there and they're gritty and they fight every week. They get yeah. chippy in some of these games. You love seeing that. You know what I mean? I love seeing that. So Sirianni's kind of created a new culture there. Doug Peterson had his time and was great. Obviously won a Super Bowl. Um, a great time for that fan base, but this fan base is like it's, there's a different energy with this this uh, uh, set of guys uh, and this coaching staff. There's a more aggressive kind of like a grittiness to them, and I love it. And I love Jalen Hurts. I was a big fan of him last year, even though he had a lot of turnovers, made a lot of mistakes, and bad decision making. But I kind of saw it in him, mm -hmm. um, and he's I think he's the best and most improved player uh, this this past season coming into this year. I think he's by far the most improved. Uh, from what he's been able to do. And this roster is probably the best roster in football all the way around, probably the, arguably the best offensive line. Um, deep, the defense, they just keep adding pieces. 
Um, Darius Slay is arguably one of the best, if not the best, uh, um, cover corner in the league. He's been up there so far this year. Um, and they, yeah, I mean, AJ Brown is just going absolute bonkers this year. Has just had a, just coming off a three touchdown game in the first half. <laughs> I mean, the guy's insane. I, I, he's on my fantasy team, so I'm loving every second of it. He had more touchdowns than that half than Tyreek has all season. <laughs> yeah. Like, think about that. Yeah, no shout out to Tyreek, but that's that <laughs> the truth. Though. Well, it's not impressive. a knock. It's just yeah. how great AJ's been. Yeah, so, um, yeah, everything's clicking for this team right now. It's really, for me, it's how they're going to take, how they're going to respond when they get hit in the mouth uh, and take an L. Cause it's going to happen before the season's over. They're not going to go undefeated this year. They're going to lose somewhere somehow. Uh, but this schedule is cake. It's been a cakewalk um, schedule. I mean, they allowed 14-plus points to the Texans. That's not impressive. You expect better from that defense, especially mm-hmm. when the Texans went up early. They got to start out better. Um, they're really, they're, I think they're the best third-quarter fo- uh, football team in the league. They always dominate the third quarter, which is the quarter you really want to take over. But the starting slow is a problem. Not everybody's Patrick Mahomes. Like The Chiefs have started slow in a lot of games, but with the offense in the mind of Patrick Mahomes and, and Andy Reid, that tends to not be that big of a deal. We can overcome that, but... I'm not sure if Jalen Hurts is that guy, so they got to be careful who they start slow against. That's a problem. Um, but make no mistake about it, that team can get to the Super Bowl. One hundred percent. Yes. Like, they, I mean, the only thing, the only team I think is really in the way in the NFC is the Niners. I think that's yeah. the team that's a bad matchup. I hundred percent. They can control the game and run the ball really and well, and they can get to the quarterback. That's the team that can challenge that offense. And the line. Eagles' weakness is being ran on. Yes. They they allow running. They have yes. a bend don't break cut. Pierce defense. was killing that's what them. I'm this saying, week. bro. So if the Niners go out there with yeah. McCaffrey, like that's a problem. So and Wilson and all those <clears> uh, Mitchell will probably be back by then as well. I would still put money in the Eagles just because I think Jimmy G is trash, but. Yeah. Um, if the Eagles take the lead and Jimmy G has to play from behind, there's no chance and, in my mind. So, yeah, that's, um, that's a good that's a good point. I think they should that they should easily there. be the favorite to win the NFC this year. Um, I don't know when they'll lose, but they're going to drop one. I just want I'm interested to see how they, they still got to go to the Cowboys. I, I, think, I think it'll be a game they yeah, drop. That's what the yeah. week before that the last game. Is. Yeah, okay. that's the very towards the very end of the season. But the rest of their schedule is still really easy. So they, yeah. they'll probably get upset. They'll probably be an upset game. Yeah. It'll happen. They'll they'll probably lose a couple. But Eddie, your your prediction looks like it's going to be freaking nails, man. You had fourteen and I three, if I'm not mistaken. Good, you might you might have even un- like uh, been Eagles. disrespectful on him. I'd have been ten and seven. That ain't happening. I had him in the NFC Championship and losing. Yeah, that you might have nailed that one, man. Rams. You God might, no, no, there you go. There's the wet blanket. We're all, we're all waiting for the other shoe to drop. I thought the Rams would be better than that. Uh, and that's my terrible. that's my next question. The fucking yeah. Rams. Like what? What happened? What went wrong for the Rams this season? Well, I think what happened is they realized that. I think what they did is they came into the season with, hey, look, we're bringing most of the band back. We're still very talented. Uh, we are going to have a target in our back because we did win the Super Bowl. But let's just see what happens and let's see how this season goes. And then we can address what happens afterwards. Because they know that they don't have the draft capital to rebuild this team right now or for the next couple of years. So this was really their only choice. Andrew Whitworth, their starting left tackle, Hall of Fame player in my eyes, retired. Uh, then they lose uh, Von Miller, obviously, to free agency. So they lose two key guys right then and there. And not to mention the fact they've had a myriad of injuries on their offensive line of guys that were replacing Andrew Whitworth. Uh, Cooper Cup's banged up. Allen Robinson just recently started becoming a receiving option. Yeah. I think Matt Stafford's not been comfortable. He, Matt Stafford's actually been sneaky good this season. His stats, his interceptions a little bit bad, but it's also because of the fact he's been pressured and sacked more than any other quarterback outside of Joe Burrow. So I think there's some context to that, but I think the, the Rams are better than what their record actually indicates, if that sounds crazy. because if the, I know that sounds crazy, but they've also had a very tough schedule, too, to start the season. A very tough schedule. They've already played four teams that are currently in the playoff picture. So I think that they 
are better than what the record indicates. So I think that although they're not as good as some of us anticipated, I still think they're a team that could squeak into the playoffs, that can be a nine-win team at the very end of the season because their schedule does start to lighten up a little bit. And if they could stay healthy, I could see that happening. But I definitely think they just looked at this season as, let's give it our best shot. This is who we are. We have a lot of talented guys. We have Sean McVay as our head coach. Let's just see what happens and let's live with the results because we've made our bed. You know, there's really no adjusting to what we've done. We've made this team the way we have, the way we've done it by trading all these first-round picks and banking on veterans. It worked last season, but it made it probably more likely is not going to work this year, and they have to live with that because they got that Super Bowl championship. Yeah, I think this is a massive step back here. I don't think they're making the playoffs. I think yeah. they're a bad. I think they're a bad team right now um, on both sides of the ball. Their defense has not been good either. They've been getting shredded. Uh, yeah, and that's kind of been their that's kind of been their linchpin of who they are as de- defense and getting pressure and. Aaron Donald being that man, and he's still getting numbers, not nearly what he's been, but him coming back, you know, debating on whether he's going to retire last year. I think the motivation just wasn't there this year. Um, Mattress Stafford has been on his back a lot. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Jalen Ramsey's been bad. He's He's been been getting exposed. This is why you don't pay corners. I'm never going to be a guy that wants to pay corners high money like that. It's ridiculous to me. Um, It's such a vulnerable position to put that much money into. So, not showing its ass. Um, yeah, I, I think McVay is a great coach. But I just I don't think this is a situation you can coach yourself out of, and I think he made a t- coaching decision by leaving Cooper Cup late in that game last oh. week, and he has a sprained ankle. The ball. And he's probably not going to play this week. Like it's just <laughs> a lot of a lot of things are just like I'm just the the, the running back debacle. Uh, 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 Acres is yeah. supposed to be practicing again. Like I don't know what the hell is. It's just it's strange. Um, if this was the Texans, like with the Brandon Cook situation, fine. It's the Texans who gives a shit. But this is L.A. Man, it's the defending champs, and you guys have all these weird situations going on. I I just I don't like any of the aura around this team at all. They don't they don't to me they don't they don't look or seem like a playoff team at all right now, and I don't think they will. Um, they got a tough schedule, like you said, and it doesn't get that much easier. I know they have some uh, easier matchups, but I don't even think any of those are safe right now because they've struggled to put up points and they've struggled to stop other teams from putting up points. So that's a problem. Um, yeah, I just think this team is kind of toast. This is this is a step back year for sure. Um, they can make some moves and acquisitions next year and revamp. And I trust McVay. He's a great coach uh, to get guys in. But Stafford's definitely been shaky this year, but obviously due to the protection. Shaky good, like Lance said. <laughs> well, he's no, actually no. he's second are, in the league in completion okay. percentage he, right he, now. Yeah. He's also really good at throwing touchdowns to the defense. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, that's, that's very true. So that's been a problem yeah. this year. I, I, I can't think, deny that. I think he has like four or five pick sixes this it's year. It's bad. Dude. So that's, that's rough. But um, when you don't have a run game to rely on and your right. offensive line's horrific. Right, right, right. It happens. It's going to happen. You can yeah. put Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen behind that offensive line with no run game. They're going to struggle at times. Yeah, between them, the, between them and the Bucks, I'm not sure who's more dead in the water, but it's rough, man. Yeah. Uh, both those teams are – no I don't think anyone expected the Bucks and the Rams to be this bad at this point of the season. Oh, I picked them. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, I know you pick, <laughs> I picked the Bucks I, to be I, bad. So. If, if I'm picking two, one of the teams to, to turn it around, I would say the Bucks have a better chance of turning it around because they at least have a decent defense that's getting after teams, and they've kept games somewhat competitive. Oh. Right, and I mean, I know they've lost to bad teams, but the Panthers have been on a decent run since that winning game, so they don't look that bad. Granted, the, granted, football, man, listen, this might be one of the most competitive, parody-filled seasons I've ever seen. There are so many teams that are like right around 500, right below 500, barely above 500. There's so many teams that are in the same boat right now.
think of the top three yeah, dogs. I, I don't even know if like and then at, Miami. in totality those are great teams right now. Like the Chiefs have great players. The Bills have great players and great yeah. head coaches, but are they great teams top to bottom? Because the Bills are so banged up. Yeah. The Eagles are still so unproven. And the Chiefs have inefficiencies. Chiefs lost to the Colts for Christ Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So like are are these great teams or are they just really, really good? I think teams? that's what football's at its best though. Yeah, exactly. Really that's what I'm saying. It's not basketball. You don't need like the star player to be in the finals yeah. and rematch every year. Like I think when there's like so much parody in football, it makes it makes it so because I mean, college football is like complete opposite of what's going on in the NFL right now. Everyone knows the Alabamas. Everyone knows that you know how Ohio State's and Clemson. All these teams are always going to be those top teams. Uh, so I think with the NFL the way it is right now, I think it's really it's it's going to make the playoff race really really interesting, man. With yeah. teams like Seattle and Atlanta and. Even the Panthers are still making a push. Yeah. They have a chance here. The, so the Saints aren't out of it. Right. There's a lot of teams that are still in it. Packers are still in it. Right. Uh, you know I, what I mean? I like, totally they're still very much in The Cardinals are still in it. Like, yeah. they're yeah. crazy how bad like bad teams or mediocre Chargers teams are still, are still, very still much in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for now. As much as we hate on for now. Now. Broncos, for now. If they win this week, if they win, yeah. Broncos are still Chill. Chill. Just saying. Chill. That's how football is right now. It's It's... It's par- it's the Raiders are done. But <laughs> the Raiders fucking suck. And they beat the Broncos. Bro. I was just so saying. wrong on them, man. Derek Carr not being able to pass the 50 yard line. That's... Bro, Marshall Latimer wasn't even playing. And they got goose egg. They didn't cross the 50 until uh, Bro, you Derek have Carr got, got in. You have Devontae Adams and cannot pass the 50 yard line. He had one catch line. for three yards, I think, or he six was, yards. Or this. He, was, he was dealing with the illness. I don't know how sick he was, but he must have been pretty damn sick. I would have been sick to my I mean, stomach, too, yeah. if I had to play that kind of game. I mean, they threw in the backup, and he made it across the 50-yard line, no problem. <laughs> so, it's like, so much for a fluke. Well, I think, I think the Saints also were playing, like, ah, prevent defense. Let's let the clock run down. We're up 24 to I nothing. I cannot believe that, that was, that's how that yeah. game went down. I really <laughs> that, game was, that game was bad. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go. To, let's switch it up to the A. Just a few questions, and then we're done. Uh, Warriors, I know we've talked about the Lakers and how bad they started the season. But Trevor and I were talking, actually talking about this before the show started. We were talking about the Warriors and how bad they've looked so far and how they're only, I think, a game up on the Lakers. We, I want to get your thoughts and what do you think is happening with this team? Yeah, uh, there's some bad body language in this team right now. And I, I do, guys, I really do believe it, it stems back from the Draymond Green assaulting 100%. Jordan, Jordan Poole. Uh, the biggest reason why is because I saw a play – in particular, and this is with Steph Curry, right? The, the the greatest warrior of all time. Everybody loves him. You know, there's nothing wrong with this guy. I saw Kaminga going to set up a pick. Or, I'm sorry, Wiseman. I said Kaminga. Wiseman. Mm-hmm. Wiseman was on the block. Steph's at the top of the key, and he's looking for the pick. And Wiseman doesn't want to do it. And then Steph's like, and then and then Wiseman walks up, like kind of just like walks up the court, does like a half-ass pick, and then kind of rolls back. Draw yeah. my damn pin. Uh, rolls back, and then Steph's looking for the cut, and and Wiseman's just like asking for the ball and flinging his arm and disrespecting Steph Curry. Mm. Guys, the young dudes and the old dudes are not in unison right now on that roster, and Steve Which Kerr does not have control. Steve Kerr team. Exactly, yeah. Steve Kerr does not have control of his team right now. I don't believe this is going to last the whole season, but right now it's a real problem. And I think, guys, I know this sounds crazy. I think the Warriors need to trade Draymond Green. I don't think he's good for this team anymore. He's no longer a, he was never a great player, but you can put up with his nonsense because he used to be very effective. Mm-hmm. You're seeing the decline in his physical abilities, and his mouth is still running as if it ever did. And so I think the best thing for the Warriors is to do something that is super controversial. Get out of the Dream on Green business because he is what's supplanting them from being successful right now. He is keeping them from being a good team right now. I really believe there is a severe they're trying to down 
downplay it. You know, Draymond was doing the press conferences and the interviews. Steve Kerr was talking about, but even Steve Kerr, to his own uh, respect, said this was the most chaotic situation and the biggest, uh, what do you say, the biggest travesty or whatever, whatever word he used, um, tragedy that they ever have had, they've ever had as, as a team. That, that's, not, that's not downplaying yeah, it. So they can try to downplay it, but even his own words say the opposite. And I think that because this team is so different, top to bottom in age, the young dudes are like, hey, man, we're the future of this team, or at least they think they are. And Poole just got a big contract. Draymond hasn't. Fuck that dude. Like, we're, we're with we're with Poole. And, and there's a real divide here because we know that Clay, Steph, and Draymond have won all these championships together. So they're going to side with their guy naturally. And it's just it's not it's not looking good right now. I think the best way the Warriors get out of this is getting out of the Draymond business. Yeah, there's 100 percent a division a divide in that locker room right now. And I don't I don't believe that Draymond and Poole ever made it like really cool. I don't think you can come back from that. Yeah, I, that's it. That's that's a between two men. That's a line crossed. When you're friends like that, and if I get sucker punched or punched in general at a practice or something like that with my friends, it's never going to be the same, bro. It's just never. If it's me and my brother and we throw hands, that's one thing. We're brothers. Yeah, we're you brothers. squash that. We're going to get through that yeah. shit. But if we're just a guy that I work with and I've, yeah. won, and I've been a part of a job with, it's never going to be the same. And I, I, you see it on the faces of these guys. I don't know if it's like a lack of respect for Steph Curry. I think that, that uh, the leadership is, is in flux right now. And Jordan Poole is the future of this team. So I think there is a definite like a rising of the the next guy up. I'm not saying Steph is anywhere close to being done in his career because he's a shooter. Those guys can I think Steph can play for another six seven years and be still a lethal shooter. I believe that because that's what he does. He doesn't demand a lot of physicalities to his game. You set picks and he shoots th- threes and he moves around a lot. That's what his game is. So that's fine. I'm not worried about Steph. Clay is Clay's never gonna be the same guy again. And he's known that, and I, I know I gave that L to Chuck about the, the criticism he gave to Clay, which was fair, but it was way too obvious to be to be even spoken upon because everyone knows that. Clay knows that, which is why he dressed it the way he did. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I that, bad for Clay yeah, that was a non-starter that because so it's, it's it's a, it's a, it's an obvious thing. So I, I the problem I think with this team is is from the top. I think Steve Kerr has lost the locker room, which is crazy to say because he's an incredible coach. He knows how to steer the ship so well. He knows how to utilize the guys' skill sets. To, uh, um, but I, I do agree with you, the Draymond thing. He's never been a great player, but he's always been a very important player yeah. uh, to what that team is and what they depend on him to do. And he's not doing those things really that well. And he's, he's, he's the reason that there's a divide in that locker room. You know what I mean? So he's not important anymore with that. He's, he's, he's turned that importance into a divide. And that's, I think that's the biggest problem. It's, it's all, it all goes back to that moment. I fully believe that. And it's caused a divide in that locker room. When there's division, there's not going to be any unity on the floor, man. And the chemistry is going to be the morale. And that team is going to be different. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Wiggins is still playing well. But Wiggins, you know, when he, you know, a lot of times when guys get big contracts and extensions like that, they tend not to be the same uh, motivated player that they were. And sometimes it just happens organically and you don't realize that you're, you know, because when you're, when you're, you know, the carrot and the stick, you know, you're motivated to get to it. And once you get it, sometimes that you kind of reel yourself in a little bit, you don't push yourself as hard. And I kind of think that's what's happening. Wiggins has been playing well this year, but I mean, it's not, it's just not the same competitive nature of this team. Uh, the defense has been pretty bad. They've allowed a lot of scoring against them. They've lost to a lot of teams they should not have lost to already this year. Like um, the Magic when they were yeah. up like 19 in the third quarter. I mean, we, we talked about how bad the Lakers are. Yeah. They're one game ahead of the Lakers. Right. 
And the Lakers have had a tougher schedule. Right. And, and the, Lakers, <laughs> the Lakers have been competitive outside of the one bad loss. Like yeah. one where they lost by double digits. They've been – I mean, they just lost the Jazz last night. I watched it. It was terrible. LeBron mm-hmm. played bad. He was 0 for 5 from 3. And this it isn't was, a defense for the Warriors either. Or no, this no, isn't no. a defense for the Lakers because the Lakers aren't even a good team no, right no, now. No, no, no. The point about the Warriors. Yeah, the yeah. expectations were already low. Yeah. Granted, I will say Russ has been playing really good basketball the last couple of nights. Up in that trade watching. value, baby. He's been he's been playing well. Um but uh, yeah, so I mean, we want to talk shit on the Lakers, how bad they are, and like, the expectations are far higher on, for the Warriors defending champs. Yeah, exactly. You know, and they're one game ahead of the Lakers. Right. You know, what I, mean? I don't so, expect it to last though. I think they will get it back together. I think I oh, do think the Draymond game trade is very much yeah. on the table. Yeah, yeah. Draymond needs to go. He's. I think that he was the microcosm of what has led to all of this because they're not going to extend him, so you might as well trade him. That's yeah, the way I look. Those, they already showed those Jordan Poole, who I mean, it's a no-brainer. The kid's twenty-three-year-old talented yeah. um, sharpshooter. Yeah, yeah, more than just a sharpshooter. The guy, his ability to get to the bucket is Kyrie Irving-esque. He yep. has a handle that's outrageous. Yep. Uh, so I think he's the future of that team, let alone, you know, when Steph ever finally departs that team, I think Jordan Poole is the guy. Yep. I think he's going to kind of start – I think they've been, you know, breeding – not breeding him, but like, uh, uh, um, you know, I think Steph's going to have been mentoring him to be that next one up. And I think I think him and Steph are still fine. But that definitely – with Steph and that trio, the original three in that core – being what it is and how close those guys are and all the success that they had together definitely has caused a rift in between that uh, the young players and, yep. and the elder players. I do agree with you on that, but um, I do think they get it together. They're too good. Steve Kerr is too good of a coach. Uh, I think changes will be made. I think that's necessary to to find their footing again. But uh, the Warriors are just too talented to not be a playoff team. They will 100 will be a playoff team. So is Luca the best player in the league right now? No, Luca is one of the best players without question. Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's leading the league in scoring. But Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the NBA, and it's—I don't think it's close. It's I think that he is significantly better than everybody right else because he's not just a great scorer; he's not just a great rebounder. He's Shaq. He is literally one of the best defenders in the league. This guy is stupid great. I mean, he, I saw—I was watching uh, highlights the other night of him at the top of the key shaking dudes with with with, cr- with crossovers, and I'm like, this dude is six foot eleven. He's a sinner, and he's out here shaking dudes like AI. Like he is—he is just a—he uh, can't shoot well. I, I will say that, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to. You know that since 2020, the Bucks have the highest scoring off- the offense in the NBA, the highest scoring offensive team in the NBA, 121 points per game. Top five defense. That is centered around who? A non-shooter. That's how great this man is. So all respect to Luca, LeBron, KD, Joel Embiid, whoever you want to throw out there. None of those guys are playing at a higher level than Giannis has over the last two years. None. Because he is a complete player. Trevor and I, I'm sure you too, Eddie, we all love Luka. He's fun as hell. Puts up points, triple doubles, all that stuff. He's top five player in the league. But he can't defend like Giannis can. He can't make the defense or the the impact on both sides of the court like, like Giannis can. No one can. He's at the peak of his powers, 27 years old. Dude, is just unbelievable. I think he's the runaway MVP. I don't think they've lost a game yet, if I'm not mistaken. The Bucks, Trevor, they're they, they, they 8-0. Uh, I believe they are. They're undefeated, yeah. Oh, they, yeah, I think they're undefeated right now. But I, I picked them just for the record. I picked them to win the uh, title. I think I don't they're 9-0 or 10-0. Yeah, whatever the record is. The point is, this team's the best team in the NBA right now. Yeah. And Giannis is the best player in the NBA right now. It's it's really that simple. Yeah, let's let me give you let me give you uh, Giannis. Nine and zero. Eight and zero. Yeah, yeah, eight and zero. Yeah, okay. I'll just give you Giannis's last what eight. I'll just give you all his games so far. We're only eight games into the season. 
26, 14, and 11, 32, 12, and 4, 31, 7, and 2, 34, 17, and 4, 30, 14, and 9, 43, 14, and 5, 44, 12, and 3, 21, 13, and 8. I'm sorry, did you say Wilt Chamberlain or Giannis? I, he's, I, I yeah, forgot. He's, he's modern day Shaq. It's man. unbelievable, um, man. And, but let me give you, because I, I, do, I do think Luka is right there behind him. I think he's a close second in this league as the best player. Especially with this impact it brings. He's top five. He's top five. No, no Luca is the second best player in this league, bro. There's, there, there is not. I don't care. You can give me Jokic all you want. He's no. He, I would not put Jokic over. No, Jokic has got to be up there. He's not over Luca. I would not take him over. LeBron Luka. is not better than Luca at this point. No, 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 no. no, just, no. I didn't say not. that. I don't think. Um, I don't think LeBron right now is a top five player. I don't. Okay, think he I is. just read you those crazy, yeah. crazy numbers by Giannis. Let yeah. me give you uh, Luca's numbers real quick. Uh, 35, 8, and 6, 33, 5, and 11, 44, 3, and 5, 31, 16, and 10, 41, 11, and 14, mm-hmm. 37, 11, and 7, 32, 7, and 10, 35, 9, and 6. Yeah, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. The team, he's on a worse team. The Bucks are loaded everywhere. I think they have one of the, I think they're the best overall team in the NBA. Uh, the yeah, Suns are definitely up there too as well. When the Suns are like 9-1 and one or 8-1. Like one one. Yeah. yeah, they're incredible right yeah. now. But they always do this. They start hot and they always mm-hmm. fail when it matters the most. Um, because Booker's not a leader. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, mm. But, um, and, and Norris Paul. The track record proves that. Um, I just think he's an undersized guard. I think that's what it is, Travis. He, he I, think if, I think if Chris Paul was 6'8", I think that he has a title. Mm. I think he has a title. Come on he, now. He is, he is who he is, and his role's always been what his role I, is. I give and, it like yeah, Steph Curry. He, he's is, failed in that Steph role. Curry is such a special talent because he's an undersized guard that has titles. Steph Curry is a far more but, dynamic player than Chris I, Paul. I'm not disagreeing. I'm not. Disagreeing. I'm just saying that 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 like uh, that ilk of players like Isaiah Thomas was that special breed. Yeah. He won titles. He was the best player on the team, and he's like six foot tall. It's hard for those like undersized guys to be champions. Is what True. I'm saying. Is the best player. But I, I just want to. I just want to reiterate my, my. I read those stats between those two players, and they're not much different. Oh, I agree. But the only thing I will say is the defensive side thank of Giannis. You, has, thank like, you. He's averaging like four blocks yeah, a game. Yeah, Duke can be defensive player there and MVP this year. He's only averaging like a couple more rebounds, far less assists, and, and Luka is averaging more points. But you watch more Mavericks teams than I do, yeah, yeah. and you know that the, the Mavericks play a style where Doncic goes and gets the rebound and takes up the court. They don't do like the pass. Yeah. you know. They, well, he goes and gets too, the rebound. Christian Wood has been a new addition, a good addition, but he's yeah. still finding his way into this rotation. Uh, this Mavericks team is not as good as the Bucks. Not even uh, close. Not even close. Four and three or so whatever it is. the Bucks. The Bucks are, are obviously on the path to win this year. I mean, Giannis is probably he's pushing Nick and making another push for MVP. I think Luca is going to win MVP this year just because his individual number is going to be ridiculous this year. Along with Giannis, um, he's my favorite though. Um, but yeah, I think between those two guys, I don't even remember what the original question was. But Luca, the best player in the league. Oh, I mean, he's he's. I think I think this is Giannis's year. I mean, obviously right now. Um, what he's doing, but they're like I just read you the numbers. They're very similar, and, and Giannis has got like you know a good five six inches. Luca, uh, you know as far as like what he does and what his roles are. So I mean their their numbers are similar. Luca scores in way more craftier ways, and I think Luca, I think Luca's impact is just as impactful as Giannis because the way he involves other players, the, his ability to faci- facilitate games and score at such a high rate, he he is responsible for like eighty five percent of the points that the Mavericks have scored this year. That is insane. It's very LeBron-esque. Early LeBron years when he was always responsible for finding the shooters, getting them in the shooter pocket, finding their best way for these guys to score. And real quick, a name that we haven't brought up that I think needs to be in the MVP discussion or potentially best player in the league if we're going to put Luka in there is also Steph Curry. Of course. Steph Curry is averaging 31-7-7 on 49% shooting and 41% from three. But the team's not having success. Exactly. Yeah. But that's the kind of, that's kind of what I want to bring into the equation about the Luka Giannis comparison. Mm-hmm. Is that right now the Mavericks aren't a good team? They're, 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 they're a 500 team. 
I think they're. I, I think they just won. Well, what's what's the standings right now? Standings sure are. Like, I think they have like six wins. No, they're five wins. and three. Oh, five and three. Okay, yeah, yeah, so they're they're, they're a good team. They're yeah. a good team. My point though is is that Luca, their team's gonna have to win fifty five six games for him to win MVP. In but my the difference opinion. is between Not those that's right. Between but. Steph and 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 Luca though, Luca's. He, they just got rid of Porzingis. They have a new guy, Christian Wood, who is kind of, like I said, finding himself in this rotation, who's a solid player, and it will be good for this player. He's yeah. a, a spread five who's very effective in the post and can hit threes. That's that's great for them. It's a good replacement for Porzingis because he's actually healthy on a consistent basis mm-hmm. uh, and a solid defender. Um, so I think that's the difference. Too, Steph is obviously his numbers are there, but Steph's a part of a team that's been there. And yeah, a handful. Which of times is why already. I also want to throw another dark horse in. I know I'm extending this, but I, when it comes to MVP, it's way too early. But a guy to watch for that no one's really given a lot of credit to, Donovan Mitchell. Dude, the, ca- the, Cavs the Cavs are, are seven and one. He is averaging 31, uh, almost five rebounds and seven assists and yeah. almost two steals in, uh, in in seven games, and he's shooting 48 percent from the field. Glenn, LeBron, yeah, him. and Donovan like, Mitchell has been the X factor. They're seven and one, yeah. second best in the East. Yeah, they're so simple. Giannis. And they were good last year. Giannis, Luca, Steph, and Donovan are like the four best players in the league right now, in my opinion. That's crazy to say because Donovan Mitchell's never been that guy, yeah. but I think he's really coming to his own. He's 25, 26 years old now on a team that he loves. He embraced when he got traded there. Man, I, I, I like those. Those are my four guys right now, man. I think mean, KD's been playing really good for basketball, but that whole net situation is a complete suck. disarray. Yeah, they suck. Their defense is so horrible. that's just no. There's zero chance him or LeBron are ever going to win an MVP this year. So yeah, I'm glad you brought up the Nets. Luke is my guy, though. I will say, I, I Luke is my guy. I'm glad you get brought up the Nets because oh, I want to finish with this question. The old finisher. Yes, sir. <laughs> I want to get your thoughts on the whole Kyrie Irving situation as a whole. Well, I'll, I'll say this. I'm not going to dance around your question, but I, I feel that in some in some regard, I, I'm just saying, in some regard, I think this is one of those situations where I think every single person that has at least some interest or some level of interest in what's going on should do some research for themselves and what's going on and hear the quotes, see the quotes, and, and really get an idea of where you stand on it as opposed to just hearing everybody else speak on it because I think that's a problem our society faces. When we hear the opinions of people that we respect, we naturally just attach it to ourselves and say, well, that's what I believe. But that's also the problem that Kyrie has. Kyrie is the type of person that gets in a place in his mind where he wants to sound so much smarter than he actually is that he actually sounds like an idiot. And that's what he's fallen into again. Whatever you stand on the vaccination situation, that's your right, that's your prerogative. But what happened is Kyrie took a stance with that back in the day, two years ago, and doubled down on it when he was proven wrong on many instances that he initially took and on stances he initially took. And he doubled down on it because what happens with Kyrie, it isn't actually about the, what, what's going on with the situation. It's about him trying to play the victim or show that he's smarter than everybody else in the room. This is a problem that he has had for quite a long time. And I honestly think, you know, when we talk about like Antonio Brown, when he, you know, got hit by Bont- Vontez Burfick and that's what set up the CT, whether it did or didn't. After that moment, though, there were some changes from Antonio we couldn't deny. You know what I think happened with Kyrie? I think when he hit that big shot in the finals in Game 7 against a 73-win Warriors team, something changed in him. Because the next season, he blew, or the season after that, he blew up the Cavs when he had a perfect situation with LeBron James. They were going to finals literally every single year. Then goes to the Celtics with a team that had the number one seed, blew them up, and then he goes to another team and has done this with the Nets. Like it's He, is, he is a disaster. Yep. He is a human disaster. So I don't even want to go deep into the whole Jewish thing that he's done 
one to himself 100%, moronically putting himself out there and saying that he's not uh, promoting things when he's literally promoting it on his social media platforms and then wants to say that I'm not anti-Semitic when I know who I am. It, he's, he's a moron. That is simply what the only way I can really put this with Kyrie Irving. He is somebody that finds a clip, reads that, and just says, well, this is what I believe. Oh, don't, don't criticize me. I'm just a human that exists. But you're literally... And the same breath saying, I have an army of people that will come to bat for me, which is why he feels the way he feels. He's enabled by this, gr this yes, group man. of conspiracy theories and yes men of people that are trying to downplay the Holocaust and crazy shit like that. That's why we are where we are. And I'll be honest with you guys. The way I felt about Draymond Green is the exact same way, to a lesser degree, obviously, because Draymond's not doing something like that. But I think to, to a much higher degree, the Nets have to get rid of Kyrie Irving. I think they should cut Kyrie Irving. I know that there's a big contract dispute of the 36 million he opted into, but for me, for the Nets, if they want to keep KD for the foreseeable future on that four-year deal, KD clearly wanted to get out the moment Kyrie opted in because he doesn't want to play for with Kyrie anymore. I think KD fucked up a little bit in the way he eventually, originally worded his statements about saying, "Well, I think the organization should have been quiet about this. You can't stay quiet about something like this. The organization has an uh, has an obligation to attack these things." So KD messed up, but he did he did clarify himself, and I will not crush. KD because I don't believe he's somebody that agrees with what Kyrie's saying and I commend LeBron for doing the same thing and absolutely coming against what Kyrie said. So you're starting to hear people speak out against Kyrie which leads you to believe Kyrie is on his own. Like there are other people that might think or feel the same way but he's on his own at the platform magnitude that he's at. The Nets can't afford to keep that around. Because not only that let's be real Trevor, they're in New York a city that is heavily populated by Jewish people. Mm -hmm. Let's be real for a second. Like in the Brooklyn of all places, that is a very heavy Jewish community out there. Yeah. The Nets cannot afford to have him around. I, he's not worth it. I know he's extremely talented, but this dude is not about basketball anymore. He's about his brand. He's about trying to sound woke. He's about trying to sound like he knows everything and anything there is to know. I can't have that guy around my team because that he is the single reason why that's a sinking ship right now. I'd rather KD play with a whole bunch of role players without Kyrie than putting Kyrie back out there and losing the way they're doing and having to deal with these PR nightmares because they're not going away. No matter him apologizing conveniently after he got he got hit in his purse, the moment they suspend him without pay, now he wants to come out with a written Instagram apology in the middle of the night. Like, how convenient is that shit? Like, these, these are not going away. Nick Friedel and these other reporters are not going to stop asking questions because it's such a hot topic. It's their job to do that. And so it's not worth it to me. If I'm Sean Marks, if I'm Joe Sy, I cut ties immediately. Yeah. The most frustrating thing about this is this is who Kyrie has been for a while. This is he buy into conspiracy theories and like he it sounds like it seems like he's just hearing about them. He's like it's like almost like he's having an aha moment to yeah. some bullshit. Yeah. But he never fully leans into it. He'll be like partially about Fire. it. And he and he'll 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 passive aggressively uh act like he's not fully like supporting these things when he's posting about them and and, and uh, uh um I, I don't know how if I'm posting something that's dehumanizing a race, a sect of people, people are gonna automatically assume that I'm with that message. Hello. I, you know what I mean? So like, I don't understand how you can act like, oh, I didn't support that, or I'm not, I'm not. It's not what I'm saying because I know where I'm from and I know where I come from. That first of all, that that theory has been debunked for decades. The, the if anybody's watching this right now, if you believe in that nonsense, go for it. But the Black Israelite stuff and all these things that have been coming about, all this this is ancient stuff that's been spattered and it's propaganda and it's just it's it's been debunked man it's been debunked for a long time this is it feels like Kyrie just got kind of caught wind of it and now it's like a cool thing and he's kind of buying in on it and it's just not, it's not true it's fake history it's not true 
Okay, that's just not what it is. From someone who likes history and I'm kind of a history bus myself, especially with religious things, it's just not true, man. This is not real. It's it's you're caught up in a moment and you bought into it and then you wanted to be passive aggressively act, act like you're not fully supporting that message when you were promoting the message. It's just it's cowardly in my mind, and it's just another track record with with Kyrie with the flat Earth thing, with the the uh, um, you know the anti-vax things, and all these things he's bought into, especially over the last few years. This has kind of been becoming a thing with him, where he just like he'll act like he's he's just dishonest in a very uh, um, condescending, but non-integral. Like he doesn't have integrity with it. Like if you're gonna have a stance, bro, yeah. stand on that hill. Yeah, and be that. Yeah, stop being half-ass about everything. And we know he, everything. And we know he's not apologetic. He doesn't really feel sorry about what right. he said or what he believes because he's had multiple opportunities over the last week to say it in in public. Right. And then he finally does it. Like I said, once he gets suspended. To your, let me just ask you a real quick question, Trevor. You can move on. Obviously, I mean, wouldn't you agree? That he's hurt the Nets far more than he's helped them. Of course. He's so hurt. then, why would you hold on to him? Listen, man, and it's and not going to get better. It's not, not going to get better. I don't want to discredit him as a man because he's done a lot of things for charity. Absolutely, and I, and I can go down the list of all the things he's donated and helped a lot of people with. Uh, uh, people in need, even with um, uh, um, some victims that have you know with police brutality and yes. help families buy. Fam- you know, so I, I, I'm not attacking this man. But you, you, if you're going to be praised for the things you do good, you're going to be criti- criticized for the things you do negatively that negatively affect people. And you singled out an entire race of people. Yeah. You as a black man, as an African-American man, that's something you don't want to be happening to you and your people, right? You don't want to be put in a box. You don't want to be segregated. You don't want to be discriminate, you know, discriminatory things happening to you and people that you love. Or your, your tragedies don't, throughout history don't be, be downplayed. The yeah. Don't yeah. return the favor, man. You're doing the same thing that you hate. You're becoming what you hate. Stop. It's it's a bad look. And I'm not saying shut up and dribble. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm not saying you can't have your own opinions. But when your opinions are hurtful and you're a public figure, you carry a little bit more weight. You have a little bit more responsibility to the people that you impact. Yeah. And, let alone being in New York. And that, that point, that point, Trevor, about like having your opinion, I'm okay with, uh, with Kyrie 100%. having an opinion. No one's opposed but stand to that. On it. But stand on it and also make sure it makes sense, first of all. Right. And so the, the point about people that are trying, like Cole Beasley's dumbass. Make sure it's fact-based yeah, Cole, as well. Cole Beasley's dumbass is trying to come to his defense by saying, well, is Amazon going to get canceled now? Guys, let's clear the air here. Are we not okay? a free country? What are we doing? Have you guys ever been to a library? Yeah. Libraries have books that are loaded with information of tragic events throughout human history. These are things for educational purposes. Kyrie, if he wanted to watch that movie to be educated, mm-hmm. there was nothing wrong with that. Yeah. The problem if is... If he's into fiction, cool. Yes, the problem is, the problem though is, is that he posts it with no context and then wants to get upset for everybody else asking the question, why did you post it right. and what do you believe about it? Because he That's even said integrity, recently... integrity goes out the window. Yeah, because he even said recently there are truths to it. So what truths? You won't specify. So we have to sit here and keep asking the question and theorizing where you stand mm-hmm. as opposed to having some fucking balls and tell us where you stand on it. If you're going to be an anti-Semitic person, stand on it. If yeah. you're not going to be one, denounce it. It's that simple. If that's who you are, and he man. didn't be do that. that. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's the thing. The track record of him is, is, is the... Is the it's the crying wolf situation where we can't take him seriously because he's this guy's pushed the the flat earth propaganda and all these things. It's like, dude, like, how are we supposed to really take you seriously? And then you you spout all this nonsense and then you don't actually back it up and stand on it and take pride in what you're saying. If right. you're gonna be someone, be someone. Stop trying to play all these different parts and like cater to different parties and like try to remain and, and keep play your victim. Job. And yeah, and try to act like you're the one being you know hurt. Like it's like dude, <laughs> it's all self inflicted wounds and you're yeah, it's it's. 
I don't want to go too deep into yeah, it. Yeah. Obviously, we're already kind of probably giving away too much airtime on this, but but it is a big topic. We I have like, to, yeah, I, and I, it's a fair I, question. And I like Kyrie, He's man. It sucks. Five games. I love the he talent. The I love biggest who he is. Shot in the history of the NBA. That's what I'm saying. And, I, and I do like <laughs> Nick Wright. Nick Wright's even come out and said, and I I I I, I give a lot of credits to Nick Wright. He's a well thought out guy, very smart individual as well. Uh, he even said he thinks Kyrie has the best. His intentions, I think, are pure because, I, but I, he just doesn't think he's that smart. He's buying into things that are anciently been debunked. Yeah, like these are not things that are. Man, obviously these these things carry a lot of weight, and they have a lot of people that believe in these things as well. But just because people believe in it doesn't make it true, man. And that's just why because we, the people around you agree with you and say yes and prop you up because you're Kyrie Irving. Yeah, doesn't mean it's true, man. And that's why I said from the top, make sure and go and research this stuff. So you guys are educated on these things because if you are right now of the belief of the same things Kyrie is, okay, that's your that's prerogative. But go and actually do the research. Don't be like him and take clippings of, of Alex Jones in 1994 and share that. Don't take these other clippings of things that have been debunked throughout time and just share that without any knowledge of what's actually going on. Look, that could just be the microchips that were injected in my veins talking <laughs> right now. It could just be that. You know, or or we just I can yeah. just pick up a book. Oh, we didn't tell everybody, but the spoken has been bought out by the Illuminati. Yeah. So we're we're now a part of the you know the we are the yeah dark, we're part of this now, guys. We are within the dark so. council. The dark council is high. <laughs> we do the, the cloak and daggers, Satan rituals, all that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So Kyrie's right. We're just no, you know no you know goats are yeah. safe. We cut we're insiders goats. now. <laughs> As above, so as below, whatever they call that shit. That's it. All right, good. Hey, that's great Eddie hour, man. We appreciate it each and every week. Let's get to uh, some NFL Week 9 picks. I don't think there's a ton of great uh, matchups this week, so I'm not going to go down a whole slate of games. But there are some notable ones that I definitely want to get to and get your guys' picks on what you guys think is going to happen in these games. Man, I'm going to start off with a hot one. So this is going to be the Falcons visiting the Chargers, and I say visiting loosely. He's got news on that game, too. Cordero Pass is playing. Cordero Pass, I was going to say that he's supposed to be playing. He was questionable or yeah, whatever, but he's going to be playing. That's a massive get for the Falcons, yep. especially in their run game. Um, the, I say visiting loosely because I do believe there's going to be more Falcons fans there than Chargers fans because Falcons fans travel well, and most most teams have good fan bases outside of the Chargers. Um I'm sorry, no, this is actually, oh, this, is it actually in? I think it's in Atlanta. Oh, I'm, I apologize, in Atlanta. So yeah. there's definitely going to be more Falcons fans there regardless. Um, crazy enough. Despite how many injuries the Chargers have in this game and the Falcons getting healthier, the Chargers are three-point road favorites. Bananas. Guys, I'm going to keep this one real simple. The Falcons are the better team in this matchup. They can run the ball better than almost any team in the league. Arthur Smith has that offense clicking. They've been, I think they've averaged like 31 points over the last three games. Outside of that one Buccaneers loss, they've won their last, they've won the last four games. They got screwed in that one, too. They got screw, absolutely screwed in that one. So, really, the Falcons should be on a four-game winning streak right now. They're now, good. They're good. let's be real. Uh, our, our guy DJ Moore in, in Carolina screwed his team over, which I think that Bro. rule is archaic. That was but, crazy, but he yeah. he saved the Falcons because that would have been a chip shot and the, and the Panthers probably win that game mm -hmm. if he doesn't do that. But the fact remains, the Falcons have capitalized and have won a lot of games so far, and I think they are right now a legitimate team that can make the playoffs, whereas the Chargers are just descending right now. Injuries left and right, like I predicted at the beginning of the season, they're just a team that just always riddled with injuries, and Justin Herbert's not been good in a while. He's not been good for like three weeks, guys. He's not right. He really he's clearly injured. Mm -hmm. His weapons are all banged up. His offensive line's banged Austin up. And his, Austin Eckler's banged up. And Austin Eckler's banged up. And Brandon Staley's not a good head coach. Yeah. I've said this for years now, yeah. guys. 
I think the Falcons are win this game comfortably. I know that the, I, I get the Chargers might give it a, a, a run at the beginning of the game. It could be like seven to three in the first quarter, this and that. Guys, I think the, I think the Falcons are going to dominate the run game. I think they're going to have over two hundred rushing in this game. The yeah. Chargers cannot defend the run. The Falcons are already an awesome running offense. If I'm not mistaken, they're top five in the league right yep. now. Yep. Um, and they're getting Cordero Patterson, like I said, drop rush game, rushing yards per game. Yeah, Falcons are fifth in the league with 158 per yard per game, and they got their best and running the back back. Are terrible against the run. They're and like the a are, five run. Yeah, defense. they're 30th in the league in rush defense, yeah. and they only get they only average 89 yards rushing per game. So Justin Herbert's going to be without Keenan Allen, without Mike Williams. Austin Eckler's banged up. He's not even a great running running back. He's a great catching running back. I don't know how the Chargers are going to outscore this Falcons team. I think this is going to be a low-ish scoring game, lower scoring game. I think the over-under right now is sitting at 49.5, so they actually expect this game to be high Gerald scoring. Everett, Gerald Everett, their tight end, might be out as well. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and Parnum's out. Parnum's yeah. out. So they, so banged up across the board on the offensive side. Their defense is just littered with the injuries. J.C. Jackson, Joey Bosa, all these other guys. Yep. I think the Falcons are going to win this game by a couple scores, guys. I think they're just the better team, the healthier team, run the ball. They are like the perfect like bad combination for the Chargers right now. They're catching them at the right time. I'm I'm picking the Falcons, obviously, plus three. I think they win by, I think, 10 points in this game. Um, yeah, I like this game. I think it's got – one thing I will say about the Atlanta defense is they don't they don't generate much pressure on the quarterbacks. So if Herbert is able to have some time, and no no matter who he's throwing to, he's he's got such a talented arm, um, I think they can find ways to put up points against that that Atlanta defense. Yeah. But they are they are traveling across, across the country to Atlanta. Um, that tends to be a, a thing as well. You know, if you look at the track record of a lot of the West Coast teams going, you know, Across the country, that tends to be a thing. Uh, they are extremely banged up. Maybe the most banged up team in football. Uh, probably are for sure. Um, yeah, man, I like Atlanta in this game too. I think they did, they do they do great at what the Chargers do terrible. Yeah, right. So they're incredibly great at running the ball, and they have their number one weapon back this week, who's not injured. He's yeah. healthy. He's been training for the last couple of weeks, just waiting to get that chance to come back. And this is their their frame perfect up to play defense this week. to go against. Uh, um, you know, Kyle Pitts has kind of in the news only scored the last couple of weeks, which is good for them. Good sign. They don't throw the ball that much, but if their weapons in the passing game, uh, Drake London had a really good start to this year, but he's kind of fizzled out a little bit, but they can find him, you know, ways to get him deep shots. He's a very effective receiver, big body guy. Uh, well, you know, I think those second, the secondary of the Chargers will struggle against him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, Cordell Patterson, if he's playing, he's getting even if he's getting 60 percent of the snaps, he should eat against that defense, uh, especially in the passing game. The you know, the screen plays to him as well are so deadly. He's such a good weapon. Um, yeah, I like Atlanta here, man. I think that I think that Atlanta should win this. I'm not gonna say they'll win it comfortably. I think it will be competitive. I think because I do think Justin Herbert, you give him time to make plays, that he'll make plays downfield no matter what name is on the jersey. Uh, he's that talent of a guy, but he hasn't been playing great either. Um, but um, I think yeah, I think Atlanta wins by at least three. Uh, at home, I think they're they're trending in the right direction. That can be trending in the worst, more worst direction possible. There, it it almost seems like they need to just tank this season, man, because it's so bad. Yeah. Even if they get a chance to make the playoffs, I mean, do we even have any faith that they can go in there and win any game anywhere? Even you know, it, 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 yeah, no. So I'm taking Atlanta at least, you know, minus three in this one. Yeah, I think we're all picking Atlanta this game. Yeah, uh, they're the hotter team going into this game, especially with the Chargers being rattled with injuries. Uh, Justin Herbert. I think that injury is really bothering him. We might see some something in the offseason about him getting some kind of treatment or something on that injury. Uh, but, yeah, I just don't think the Chargers have the defense to, to like you said, uh, stop stop the uh, stop the run. Well, I mean, we'll see how they adjust to that. But, but, they, uh, but 
but their head coach is just not good. Yeah. He makes terrible decisions offensive-wise, defensive-wise. I mean, I don't know if he makes both calls. I don't know. I think he's if he does, it, I mean, they're bad regardless. Yeah. Uh, they can create that pressure to the quarterback. They And then Marcus Moriarty is a mobile quarterback, so you're going to have to worry about him rushing the ball as well because these past few games, he's he's rushed the ball pretty pretty damn well. Uh, and then the, the Falcons getting Cordero Patterson back. That's a huge, huge, huge uh, uh, upside for them. Yeah, he was addition. balling. Yeah. yeah, upgrade. Uh, so, and then obviously you have Kyle Pitts in there. It, it, it's just a better situation for the Atlanta Falcons, and they're going to be home. Yep. Uh, I mean, they would have been home in L.A. anyway. Exactly. So. That's why I have... forgot that it was actually in Atlanta. It doesn't matter. they got to give you way. It would have been all red in there, you know? Uh, but, yeah, the Falcons uh, – uh, I'll win this game. The uh, second game I want to address, another AFC matchup, uh, is the Patriots hosting the Colts. Uh, as it currently stands, the Patriots are five-and-a-half-point favorites at home, as they should be because I understand that it's a home game and they're uh, technically record-wise the better team right now. Uh, the over-under is only 40-and-a-half. I think yeah. everyone's anticipating this is going to be a very low-scoring game, under. which is yeah. why I'm going with the Colts. Yeah. This is the last time I'm going to take the Colts this season. They, I, I'm, I'm saying this is my last chance because you guys know I was big on the Colts this year. Um, I still believe they did upgrade at quarterback, benching Matt Ryan and going to Ellinger. reason why, Sam Ellinger was actually decent last week. He was 17-23 for 200 yards and 100 back rating. Uh, he was, and that's a good commander's defense, too, by the way. So his first game starting, he actually played pretty well. Um, I know everybody thinks the Patriots' defense has actually been really good this season, but the Colts' defense has actually been better. Colts' defense is only averaging or giving up 19 points a game, where the uh, the Patriots are giving right under 23. So they're a good defense, but the, the Colts' defense has been damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they have the better weapons in this matchup. Jonathan Taylor is supposed to be out, but I still like Pittman, Alec Pierce, Mo Alley-Cox. I like those guys better than what I think that the Patriots are going to have. And be honest with you guys, I... I'm even further down on Mac Jones than I was before because I know they beat the Jets last week, 22-17. to 17, But, guys, that, that there was a pick six in that game that Mac Jones threw that would have won the Jets the game if there wasn't a penalty on the other side of the damn field. The Jets would have won that game. They were going to go up 24-7 at that point of the game. So the Jets should have won that game. Patriots were not good all that, that entire game. Jets Jack, Zach Wilson just absolutely shit his pants in that game down the stretch. Still only won by five points at, or in, in New York. Or, yeah, at Jets. This game, I know it's in New England. Just like a couple weeks ago when they were playing the Bears, everyone just said, oh, yeah, Patriots will bury them. No big deal. And the Bears went in there and just beat their ass. Guys, I'm not big on the Patriots still. I know they're 4-4, four and four, look like a team to make the playoffs, but they're, three of their four victories this year are against the Steelers, Detroit Lions, and, and the Browns. Are any of those teams good? Those are terrible teams. The Colts have beat who? I understand that. My point, though, in the matchup, I'm saying the Patriots have not been playing really good football, so them being like this big favorite and just everybody has seen they're going to win this game, I'm going to push back on it a little bit. I still think that Sam Ellinger has a chance to play decent football because of the weapons he has. Frank Reich, knowing he's on the hot seat, it's a big road matchup. They can get back into the playoff picture if they win this game. I'm giving them one last chance, guys, because, again, I'm not impressed with Mac Jones. I don't think they're going to score a ton of points on this really good Colts defense that travels well, by the way. I'm going to give the Colts... A, uh, a a slim victory here. I think they cover. Obviously, they're gonna be, they're minus five and a half right now. I think they win this game by a field goal. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them this one last chance. Yeah, this is an ugly game. Yeah. Um, the the so the Patriots' defensive strength is their secondary. They're good at stopping the pass uh, and and not allowing anybody to really get off in the passing game. Um, 
typically. They there was a couple big chunk plays by the Bears that they just weren't expecting because the Bears kind of opened up the offense against them, which was a smart move. Uh, and Justin Fields played well in that game, um, but. And then the Colts' defense is structured to stop the run really well. And the Patriots run the ball really well. And I would say the strength of the offense with Jonathan Taylor being out for the offense of the Colts is Michael Pittman and Pierce and their tight ends that they like to throw to. And now Hines is out of the picture, so they're not going to have that, that kind of scat back to dunk it off, dump it off to. I'm really interested to see how this game goes because the, the strengths counteract each other really well for both of these teams. It's going to be a defensive game in my mind, but I feel like if the Patriots, which I expect, I think the Patriots are going to find a way to get their running backs going. Um and I think they win a narrow game here. It's in New England. The Colts, I don't – I mean, we don't know what the Colts are right now. They're, it feels like they're kind of like reeling it in and kind of calling this season for what it is, kind of what it feels like yep. after benching Matt Ryan and just taking the L on that. I don't think they put Ellinger in there to go change the stars of the season and go win. I, it doesn't feel like that to me. Even though I think he brings a new dynamic with his ability to move around and run, which could be an X factor because they, they struggle. I mean, I'm not calling him Justin Fields at all athletically, but – he is mobile, and they struggled against um, they struggled against Fields massively with his legs. So if he can extend plays with his legs and make throws to the studs downfield, that's definitely a possibility. I'm just leaning towards this is a, a game where Belichick coaches his ass off and gets the running backs going and leans on the defense, and you know this is a one or two game victory. It feels like one or two point game victory yeah. where the Patriots pull out a a field goal at the end, and they win by one or two. Right. Um, but if the Colts, I'm not going to be surprised either. But I'm going I'm to go with the team. I'm going to go with the home team. Um, Mac Jones, if he can just do just enough not to suck, uh, I'm going to go with that. Because I still think Mac Jones is the better quarterback between the two here. So as, as much weight you want to give that. <laughs> I was going to say, he's been uh, pretty awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but Ellinger's started one time yeah, with sure. his team, and he looked decent. And they should have beat the, the uh, Washington Commanders. Uh, last, yeah. or Commanders. They yeah. should have beat them, so. That was a terrible game. Heineke just pulled some heroics out of his ass. Yeah. Unlikely win, but I'm taking the the, the Patriots at home here. Ooh. Uh, I, I think there's two bad teams going up against each other, but I think I think the Patriots will pull this off uh, just for being at home. Uh, being at home. Obviously, the quarterback situation in New England is not the best. Um, obviously... We know Mac Jones is starting, but we don't know if he's going to finish the game. Just like the last week's game, uh, he started the game, but we ended up seeing Zappy come back in and take over that game. They got a two-headed monster quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I, I don't know if Mac Jones is going to, but but I think overall, I think I think they'll overcome overcome that. Uh, I think the Colts are just a bad team overall. I, I just don't think them going to to New England, being able to beat the Patriots away. It, I just don't see it, you know, uh, especially with Jonathan Taylor out again this game, who is what the Colts' offense rely on pretty much. That's The Colts don't have an identity. Yeah, that's like, their offense. I don't offense. know what they are. And I know what the Matt, Patriots are. They and run then Matt Ryan game. being benched, and then obviously they're, we, we still don't know much about this quarterback, mm. you know. Yeah. Uh, Which actually so could favor the Colts. It could favor the Colts on that, really that aspect, yeah. but I just don't think they have the team, especially yeah. with Jonathan Taylor being out. Yeah. That's a huge loss for the for the Colts. So going up in New England and trying to beat the Patriots like, without Johnson Taylor, I Deion mean, Jackson I, played well in his his replacement. He did, but I will say he did, but, and they obviously felt comfortable the trading Patriots, away nine times. The Patriots times. are not good yeah. against the run, so yeah. if the Colts go out there and they get they they take the the the, the game over by running the, by running the ball, it really comes down to who runs yeah. the ball better yeah. in my mind. So. And like I said, there's two bad teams that going up against each other. But right. I put my money on, but, I, but I'm going Patriots. We're Monte Stevenson and, and yeah, those guys to get the ball going. So. And then we have uh, the Jaguars hosting the Raiders. 
in Jacksonville. I promise this time they're actually playing in Jacksonville, unlike what I thought last week. They're actually going to be playing in Jacksonville. Uh, the over-under right now is set at 48. Uh, it's pretty high for this game, in my opinion, and I'll explain in a second. Uh, Las Vegas is a two-point road favorite, minus two. So you look at both these teams, utter disappointments. I was never big on the Raiders. I didn't think the Jacksonville Jaguars would have a great season either. I had them at 6-11, very much still on that pace. Uh, the Jaguars had a very, very difficult loss last week in London against the Broncos, literally just handing them that damn game. Jaguars had that game won. Like they, they had all the momentum. Russell Wilson looked terrible out the gate. They were, they were finding zones inside the Denver Broncos defense. They were driving multiple times. Trevor Lawrence threw a horrific pick can't finish in games. the end zone. Yes, exactly. And the game was a four-point win for the Broncos. He scores that touchdown. That's a three-point win for the Jaguars. Multiple missed opportunities. Broncos defense is, is, is good, yeah. and, and they showed that on display. They, they took care of things in big moments. Trevor Lawrence has still not shown me that special number one overall guy that I've ever keeps telling me about i don't see it yet yeah. having said all that the raiders are really bad in areas the jaguars can capitalize on this in this matchup the where i'm saying that is the, the the raiders have one of the worst offensive lines in football they are having problems now moving the ball as a whole as an offense despite all the talent they have josh mcdaniels once again looks lost as a head coach so they the jaguars have a clear advantage at head coach in my opinion and their front seven is nasty very nasty, and I think they're going to tee off on Derek Carr in this game. I think Derek Carr's got a multiple interception game in this one. It's going to be a close game because neither offense is good. Trevor Lawrence is not good, but the Raiders' defense is even worse, and I think the Jaguars' defense is going to keep them in this game. It's going to be a lower-scoring game. I actually, this whole 48 over-under, I don't buy that. I think this is going to be at most in the in the combined 38-40 points. I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game because, like I said, neither one of these offenses are going to be able to get off. We just saw the Raiders struggle against the worst-ranked defense in the league just a week ago. Without I don't best, see without the best defensive player. Thank you. Marshawn Lattimore wasn't even there. So now you're going into this house with that front seven of the Jaguars. Yeah, good luck, man. Josh Jacobs might have a decent game here and there. I don't anticipate the Raiders are going to score enough points on the road, given what they just did last week against the Saints. And the Jaguars have been a better team at home. They're not a good team either way, but they're better at home. They're going to play aggressively because they're on a five-game losing streak. I think they're going to try their best to get a good home victory in this one. Raiders don't travel very well. I think the Jaguars squeak out a victory here at home, man. Yeah, another team than the Raiders that has no identity. They started the year by being a pass-funnel offense to uh, Devontae Adams and, their, and, and, uh, and um, Waller. They were throwing the ball like crazy. And then a few weeks in, they decided to go a run-heavy approach. It worked. It's, it's, it was good, finding some success. And then teams got filmed. Deans adjusted. And then they couldn't run the ball. So then they, when they couldn't run the ball, they couldn't even cross the 50 against the Saints. Um, so I, this team does not know who they are. Last week was – I've been hearing rumblings from, from Raiders fans. I love it. Um, I love everything that's happening right now. Um, I've, I've counted on the Raiders to win games, and I've picked them numerous times. I'm over it now. I can't pick them again. I'm picking the Jaguars here. For, uh, and I think this is one of those games where I think last week it started where Derek Carr is getting really, really, really getting questioned by the fan base. If you know a lot of Raiders fans, a lot of fan, there's, 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 there's that sector of Raiders fans that are like, they love Derek Carr. They think he's the guy. They think he's so underrated. His numbers, his numbers, his numbers. And then there's those other other fan base, the other part of the fan base where it's like, dude, can we please get this guy out of here? <laughs> this is gonna be one of those games. I think this is gonna be the game after last week that kind of almost kind of caused a, a, a unison between those fan bases where they all can agree that Derek Carr is not the guy. I think this is the week that solidifies that. I guess the week after coming off that goose egg and not being able to cross the fucking fifty against the Saints. I don't care what stadium you're playing, you can't cross the fifty. That's your job is on the line. Period. Um. And I think this is the game where it just pushes the fan base over the top. 
Um, you go, I think they're going to go lay another egg against the Jags. I think, I think they'll. I don't think they're going to get goose egged. I think, I think Derek Carr is going to have another terrible performance. Um, I just think this is a directionless team. They don't have a direction. They don't know who they are. There's no identity. When there's no identity, you can't lean into your strengths. You don't even know what your strengths or weaknesses are. You are not going to succeed in football. It's, this game is going to pass you by, and I think that's what Josh McDaniel's coaching style has become. This game has passed his coaching style by. It's archaic. It's just not going to work. You don't have the skill set that players you want. Uh, their best bet, I think, is to be a running first team because I think Josh Jacobs is legitimately a good running back, and if you commit to him, he'll be good. But they have they have they have no. I mean, I'm, yeah, he'll pay a running back somewhere else. I don't pay running backs, but um, uh, but yeah, this team is just a directionless team. I think the Jaguars know who they are. They just haven't. They've 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 squandered opportunities to put games to, to put to teams away when they're up. Um, they had a 14 point lead against the Eagles and they blew that. They've shit. They've lost so, close games. It's right. not like they. Blew, I think blown they're out. a good team. I do, and I think I, and I far believe in Doug Peterson's leadership more than I do Josh McDaniels. This this Jags team is good, man. I know that they've they've had a, a rough. Very patch. young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still believe in Trevor Lawrence. I still do. Um, he's made some massive mistakes. He's got to tighten up some some things. Um, but I think. I think this is a game where the Jags go dominate defensively and offensively. I think they're going to eat. I think oh, I think, offensively too. Okay, well, yeah, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to feast. Uh, Christian Kirk's probably have a couple really big plays against that secondary. Um, so you think it'll be a blowout? That, I think okay. they kick okay. their ass. Wow. Okay. I think they kick their ass. Yeah. bro. I think this is one of those games where the Raiders. Okay. This is what I'm saying. I think this is what. And Raider fans, if you're listening, I think this is one of those moments where you guys all come to terms and you lock horns. And you all agree that Derek Carr is not the guy. And then Derek Carr can be the Jets quarterback next year? Because Derek, Derek Carr can definitely be gone after this season. I think that's likely if he blow, if he blows it here. Yeah. After a goose egg. They can get out of his contract, technically. They can't get out of it. He's going to the Texans. He's going to replay Mills. That's actually not a bad idea because brother played there. Yeah. That actually so, makes a lot of I sense. And I don't think Derek Carr's a bad quarterback. I just think it with just this work his team, I think no, he has. He's... This scheme is yeah. not for him, and he, he's just—he's proven he now. Has, he's thirty-one years yeah. old. Like he's not. Dude, they wouldn't got Devontae Adams his teammate. Have, he, he could be out this next season. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. You have arguably the best receiver in the game. Yeah, I think we know what Derek Carr is. I think we know. Like yeah. so, yeah. Who do you got, Eddie? Uh, I'm gonna pick the Jaguars in this game. I, I I think them being at home. Uh, obviously them losing close close games. It's not like they've been blown out. They're a good team. Uh, I think Trevor Lawrence is one of the least sack quarterbacks in the league. Uh. And the Raiders rely way too much on Max Crosby. If if the if the Jaguars can can eliminate Max Crosby's pressures, yeah, have all day. Trevor Lawrence can have all day, and it's, and, and hopefully this can be that game that uh, Jaguars fans are wanting out of Trevor Lawrence. Well, ETN might have a big game here as well. That yeah, good. A, a big, Man, a big that's a good call. That's a really good call. So, Travis ETN went off against the Broncos too. Yeah. So I, I mean. I just don't see where the the Raiders can come in, in into Jacksonville just be, just dominate or win or even win the game. I yeah. just don't see it. The chemistry between Aaron, uh, Devontae Adams and Derek Carr, you can see flashes of it, but mm-hmm. it's not there. It, it's, I've seen it for weeks. Yeah, he's he's either underthrown him, overthrown him. It is, but like I said, there is flashes. There is some times where he fucking gets it right on the on, on like where there's Derek, no fluidity. Derek throws a good ball. There's no fluidity. He throws a good ball. Yeah. But he's just not as accurate as you would think. Yeah. Especially having Devontae Adams. Uh, yeah. I, this team, like you guys said, has no identity. Has, I, I don't think this team even knows what they are. Like, yeah. I, I don't I don't know what to think of the Raiders, you know? Uh, I can. They suck. They're not good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as bad as the Broncos been, we know who they are. They're a defensive heavy team, and they depend on, you know, get us 17 points and let's let this and ride this defense. And rely on a bad schedule. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And, yeah, uh, I I think Jacksonville should be favored in this game. Uh, I think they're the better team. Uh, they're young. They're very talented. I think they're very hungry. Uh, and I think this is where they can turn turn their season around and 
and try and make 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 a push for 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 next season to to yeah. to keep uh, free uh, to sign free agents to to keep players. You know what I mean? Yeah. Saying that we're we're building this to a, to be a a contender. So this this could be a, a game for for Jacksonville fans where Trevor Lawrence goes off and and just they just dominate the Raiders. So yep. I'm picking the Jaguars on yep. this. Uh, so the final game I want to touch on uh, is because again, there's there's some decent games that I think that we can obviously give our full slate of picks next or tomorrow when we before the kickoff happens at noon. Uh, is the Bills visiting the Jets? Jesus so, Christ. So uh, the right now as it currently stands, the Bills are they were originally twelve and a half point favorites on the road, which is a massive massive number. We saw Eagles. I think they were 14 and a half, if I'm not mistaken, against the Texans. The Texans ended up covering. I think they won by 12. Um, the Bills are 11 and a half right now as it stands. The over-under is at 46. And, um, you know, I remember last week Trevor was uh, – he picked the uh, Packers to win that game. And I didn't. I thought it was going to be a closer game. And that game ended up being really close. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. You guys – you know, Trevor was just talking a minute ago about how like this might be the most con- con- competitive league we've ever seen in the NFL. Like every there's no great teams, there's a bunch of like good teams, bad teams, mediocre teams, but there's no one that like just is absolutely standing out. Even the Eagles who are undefeated, I don't think that most people think they're the best team there's in the no league. Mountaintop team. Exactly. Yeah. It's there's some really good teams and then there's just kind of it's everybody else. I remember damn near a year ago to the day last season, the Bills went into Jacksonville as a 14 and a half point favorite. God. Over the Jaguars, who were 1-6 going into that game, allowing 29 points per game. Jaguars defense was allowing 29 points per game while being led by a bar bar girl groper, Urban Meyer, and the Bills lost 9-6. And it wasn't just that game last season the Bills lost to a team that they were heavy road favorites over. Remember in Week 11 that same season? They were 6.5-point road favorites in Indy and got beat 41-15. What about this season? In week three, the Bills were, went into Miami as four-and-a-half-point road favorites over the Dolphins and lost 21-19 to in a game that Tua was literally knocked out of and then came back in later on but was clearly not himself. And then Josh Allen threw the ball 63 times and still couldn't eclipse 20 points. Now, obviously we agree the Dolphins are a good team, so I'm not going to sit here and say that was a massive upset. They're a good team. They're going to make the playoffs. Even though... Vegas was telling us, based on spread, that had that game been in Buffalo, Buffalo would have been nine-point favorites. So they should have whooped the Dolphins either place, and they didn't. The point I'm making in this particular matchup is the Bills are the type of team to lose these types of games. They've proven it. Even the Packers game, like I was just talking about, last week was far too close given how limited the Packers were going into the game, let alone during the game, when they lost multiple offensive and defensive starters in the process. The Bills got gashed in the run game and still cannot run the ball outside of Josh Allen scrambling. This is a fact. The Bills' defense is allowing 123 rushing yards per game over the last month and are only averaging 83 rushing yards outside of Josh Allen with Devin Cintory, James Cook, and Zach Moss this season. Outside of Josh Allen, they're not running the ball well at all. The Jets' offense is not good. Let's not even try to make a case here, okay? They're not good. But they haven't been terrible either. They're 14th in scoring this year at 22 points per game. And again, in a league where there's not a bunch of great offenses, that is pretty decent. They aren't they aren't uh, what leads this team to wins, though. I think we all agree here that the Jets aren't winning games because their offense is out there dropping 30 points. Right. 
That's clearly their defense. And their defense right now currently ranks 13th in points allowed, 7th in yards allowed, 2nd fewest in yards per play, 6th in takeaways, 12th in passing defense, 9th in passing touchdowns allowed, 4th in interceptions, 10th in rushing defense, 2nd in quarterback knockdowns, 9th in sacks, 3rd in pressures. And they already have a 40-17 to victory over the Dolphins at home earlier this season. I believe the Jets are ready for this matchup against an, albeit, clearly a better team in the Bills. But a Bills team that is also going to miss key pieces in Jordan Poyer, who is not only their only proven safety remaining, Micah Hyde's been out for the last month, but also the fact that Von Miller, Matt Milano, Tremont Dent Edmonds, Spencer Brown, Cam Lewis, and Mitch Morse, Mitch Morse are all questionable to go into this game, and they're not expected to have Trey White back for another week. If there is a chance... All I'm saying is if there's a chance the Jets can catch the Bills, it is this week when the Bills are banged up and on the road against an up-and-coming divisional foe that's coming also off a of frustrating loss, as I talked earlier, versus the Patriots. They did have one, had that pick six went to come to fruition. They had the game one. And that was with Zach Wilson playing horrific football. If Zach Wilson is just better than horrendous in this game, I think the Jets are going to pull this upset up. I said this two weeks ago, and I stand by it. It might, I know it sounds nuts because the Bills are huge favorites, but guys, I have a track record here to go off of. This Jets team is significantly worse team last year, and the Bills last season were significantly more healthy than they are this season. I am picking the Jets to win this game 13-12. to I think they're going to hold the Bills because they have the right defense. Sauce Gardner is probably the best corner in the league right now. Outside of outside of a couple guys like uh, uh, um, uh, Patrick Sertan and a couple other guys out there, he's the he's played the best football of all corners right now. I think he's the type of guy that can slow their defense. Quinnen Williams against that banged up Bills offensive line can make a difference. Josh Allen pressing late in games. We saw that against the Packers. They should have had that game won in the second quarter. And they let the Packers come roll right back in and made that a tense game at the end. Josh Allen had an 18 quarterback rating in the second half against the Packers. This Jets defense is significantly better than the Packers defense. On the road, hungry team off a frustrating loss. I like the Jets in this. I know it sounds crazy. I know you guys are going to probably roll me for this one. That's okay. I might be wrong. But I, th I feel very confident about that. I think the Bills are gonna, I think the Jets are going to win this game. Let me know. This show is picking two back-to-back -back losses or upsets against the Bills. Um, holding the Bills to 12 points sounds absolutely impossible. Um, so the Bills played a better secondary last week against the Packers, who's been top two, top three secondaries as far as against the pass this year. Um, and they still were able to put up points, and their offense is not banged up at all. Um, the offense is very much intact. I don't see why they wouldn't be able to put up points against the Jets. The Jets are not a special team and or a very good team really at all. They have, they have wins that are against no teams of note really outside of the Packers, and the Packers have not been good this year. So I don't have any real respect as far as I, – I, there is a chance where the Jets win this game. I'm not going to act like that's not a possible thing. Holding them to 12, Jesus Christ, that sounds like a whole other thing. Um, I think the Jets can win this game. If Quentin Williams can get after Josh Allen and make him uncomfortable and uh, they can force him to be you know kind of playing some backyard football uh, – and they can kind of, you know, keep him in the pocket and make him force him to make throws, don't let him escape and run. There's a chance where they they, they get a they, they get a win here and they keep it a lower scoring game, not maybe not 12 points, but if they can keep them, you know, uh, and it's a divisional game. You know, these teams know each other. Um, this does seem like a perfect spot for them to beat for the Bills to let for a letdown spot here for the Bills to overlook this this team a little bit. Um, 
Sauce Gardner has been very good. He's arguably been the best corner in football on a consistent uh, level here throughout the season. Um, he can make basic. He could be a good uh, defensive combat to uh, what Stefan Diggs does. He, he's he's very he's got fluid hips just like Stefan Diggs is. So I think that could be a fun matchup to watch uh, if they have him shadow him. Um, but I don't know about the other guys in that secondary. I'm not sure how they can guard Gabe Davis and and and, and maybe Dawson Knox over the middle and, and the red zone packages that the Bills tend to put out there. They're right up there, right up there, right up there with the Chiefs as far as um, offense. You know, putting up points and they're effective and um, and damn near every facet. I know they're not the best rushing team, but neither are the Chiefs. We we always continue to find creative ways to put up points, and the Bills do as well. Um, I'm picking the Bills here, but I don't. I'm not going to shit on your take out there. But I think this is, this is what I said. Football has been one of the, this has been one of those seasons where any team could lose any given Sunday. Yeah. Um, if the Chiefs can lose to the Colts, the Bills can lose to the Jets. I'm just saying there are those games where it just happens. Um, and I hope the Bills lose, if I'm being honest. Not not to shit on the Bills. Not that I, I need them to lose. Just as a Chiefs fan, I would like to see that happen. Uh, but I have so much respect for this Bills team. They're incredible. Um, Josh Allen, is I love that guy. He's incredible to watch. He's fun to watch. He's As a football fan, he's great. Um, I don't see them losing this game, but I can say that there is a possibility. But I think I think the Bills go out there and win by double digits. Man. Yep. I think that's, the, I think that's the, the way this game goes. It might start competitive, but I think the Bills pull away in the end. You're relying on... Zach Wilson to come out there and do his thing. Not necessarily. The, I only have to score 13 Jets, points. The, yeah, the Jets, have to, in order to win this game, the yeah. Jets have to make this a defensive game. Well, and yeah. I, let, me, let me take even further, make my picture even more clear. Yeah. I think the only touchdown the Jets scores defensively. Oh, I think wow. they get a strip wow. sack fumble. I think James recovery. Robinson could have a good, good game. I think James yeah. Robinson might get a start here. I think That's the other thing. Brees Hall being gone is a big loss. James Robinson is a solid running back. For sure. And their offensive line has been very good well, this the year. Jets the Jets want to win now. Yeah. The, the reason they made James they, – they took James Robinson. They, they picked him up a week after Brees Hall went down. Mm-hmm. Like, they're they're trying to win now. Well, you don't four, four, four and three or five and two? Who? The Jets. Five and three. Yeah. Five and three. They have four road victories, too. So that's another thing that shows this team has fortitude. They're a and, resilient bunch, for sure. And, and here's the, the real quick before I'm not trying to sway you at all. No, no, no. But the only game this season the Bills haven't scored 20 points in was against another AFC East opponent in the Dolphins. Oh. And they lost that game. And it wasn't the Dolphins that had a great offensive game. They only put up 21 points. So the Jets in this game, all they have to do, like I said, I know it sounds like it's so easy, but we've seen throughout the last two seasons the Bills have done this against bad, inferior and teams. The Jets' teams defense that, is much better. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's For what sure. I'm saying. Like, So the Bills don't, the, the Jets don't have to go out here and score 28 points. They keep this game low and just make this a – because we also know something about the Bills. They struggle in tense, close games. They've only won three games by more than one – or by uh, one point, one score games. They've only won three of those in the last two seasons. So they struggle in these kind of games. I think the Jets have that recipe of having that big upset in the middle of the season. We've seen it time and time again, man, especially in this particular season where teams are winning games they have no business winning. I would love to see that happen. I'm just being honest. I would yeah. love to see that. But I'm I not trying to persuade anybody. I'm just saying I'm based on no. the numbers. Uh, I'm, I'm taking the Bills in this game. Uh, I, I just I just think that the Bills are on a roll right now. They're the by far the better team. Uh, I, I just don't. Th- I, I just can't see the Jets going uh, just – Stopping uh, Josh Allen and, and that offense. I mean, uh, Sauce Gardner can if he locks up uh, Stephon Diggs and obviously Gabe Davis uh, has to be the guy. Yeah, I guess they can slow down the the the, the offense a little bit, but it's really not not that big of a a, a difference because Davis can go out there and have one hell of a game. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I I just I don't see the Jets. Beating this more complete Buffalo's team, uh, so yeah, I, I I see the 
the the Bills winning by double digits here. And I will say this real quick, you know, everybody everybody assumed that the the Bills had a great game against the Packers. That, no, Josh Allen slept walk through that. Game. Yeah, and Josh Allen wasn't even good in that game, yeah. guys. He he threw he completed fifty two percent of his passes for two hundred eighteen yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. I feel like they had zero respect for that Packers team. Though. Exactly, like, and that's they did that's not take them seriously. I kind of feel that's what they're going to do in this Jets game too, guys. And with again the injuries starting to surmount again for the Bills. Yeah. If Jordan Miller doesn't play. That's a big deal. And I think he'll give it a go. I do. But I think, he's already been on limited snaps. Exactly. So how much more limited is he going to be now that he's banged up? Exactly. And Tremont Edmonds, Mitch Morse, and these other like key players. It's if they're not, Rousseau, if they're Rousseau hobbled, still. yeah. And, and and that's a beautiful thing about the Bills' defense. Slowly. They can just send four and they can get pressure like a yeah. motherfucker. So they don't and need Zach to, Wilson. Too, Zach so. Wilson's the worst quarterback against. That's what I'm saying though, guys. Is all season long the Jets have been winning games despite Zach Wilson. So what's another one? He's That's started, what I'm trying to say. He started what three or four games? He's, yeah, well five. He started five games, and they're four and one in those games. So that's what I'm saying. Like, he's not good. I'm not trying to make a case for Zach Wilson. Yeah. This isn't – Trevor Lawrence wasn't good last year. Yeah. Beat the Jaguars. They beat the Bills. That's what I'm saying. Like, games like this happen every single season, and I think that's the, this is that game because, to the Jets' credit, they're better than some of these other teams the Bills have lost to well, the Bills, inferior opponents. The Bills wise. are an impatient team. Yes. Similar, similar to how the Chiefs have been over the years. Pat gets, kind of gets a little impatient. He presses, and that's when mistakes are made. That's what. That's kind of how the Bills are built too. They don't run the ball well, but they're very impatient. They like to go out there and score. They if Josh Allen's not getting all the possessions he's, he wants yeah. to get. They keep him off the field. And they play slow, methodical football, and they run and they play good defense. That's how you beat the Bills. You well, got to keep him off the field. And the Bills only scored three points in the second half against the Packers at home in prime time last week, right. and it was in the third quarter. They got eggshelled for the rest of that game. Josh Allen was bad. If the Jets can play the defense they've been playing all season, guys, they have a legitimate chance of winning this game. Regardless of Zach Wilson's even like good, he could complete fifty percent of his passes and still win this game. He was doing, he was horrible against the Patriots last week, and they should have won that game. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. All right. We're going to move on to the topic that I know you guys are all excited about. And by the way, if you guys have any comments or you want to call me nuts, whatever you want to do, uh, you have picks, whatever that, hit us up on our YouTube channel. Let us know what you guys think about our picks, how you guys see things shaking down in week nine like we do each and every week. But we're going to get to the Chiefs and Titans. Man, like I said at the beginning of the show, guys, it's it's felt like forever since the Chiefs have won a, or played a game. And uh, we're back. The Chiefs are back. They're ready to take on the Titans on Sunday night football. Um... There is it's it's weird about the Titans is you look at their record and you think oh this is a team that's in sole possession of the AFC South they're five and two they look really good you know you think that 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 record is what everybody catches their eye you know they have Derek Henry, as I like to call him a great running back Hall of Fame player and then you look at the context of some things with the Titans here are the Titans. Here are the here are the, the teams because they're currently on a five game winning streak. Here are the teams they've beaten in those five games: the Raiders, Colts, Commanders, Colts, Texans. Zero winning records in any of those five teams. Not good teams at all. Those teams have a combined record of 15, 22, and one. The Titans in that span never scored more than twenty four points. And only won one of those games by more than seven. The only two teams the Titans have faced this season that can even be compared to the Chiefs were the Giants and Bills. And they lost both those games while being outscored 62-27. to That was also when the Titans had a healthy Ryan Tannehill and Taylor Luan, their left tackle. And both are unlikely to play this week. I know that Ryan Tannehill is supposedly a game-time decision. He's traveling with the team. He's traveling with the teams. He might give it a go, but the fact is he's not nowhere near 100% with that ankle injury. Yeah. The Chiefs have had three statement wins this season, and that's where I want to put my emphasis in this little take real quick with you guys. 
Week one was versus the Cardinals. That showed the world what they can and will be as an offense after losing Tyreek Hill. No one, you know, the whole speculation. They go in there and drop 44 points against a, a Cardinals team that some people were high on this year. Uh, week four versus the Bucks, we all know, was a big bounce-back victory after the Colts' loss against the number one defense at the time in Tampa Bay in primetime, dropping 41 against them. Week seven versus the 49ers that we just saw a couple weeks ago was another road domination against another number one ranked defense at that time. But the games I want to focus on in particular are the games after the statement victories. Week two over a uh, week two victory over a healthier Chargers team. They led by ten points with a minute to go in that game. Week five win over the Raiders, who got their first win of the season just the week previous, feeling good about themselves and a lot of really bad calls that kept that game close. The Chiefs not only won both of those games after statements, statement wins the week previous, they not only beat divisional foes in those games, they also averaged 28 points per game in those matchups, which would rank them tied for third in the league with the Eagles and then scoring in the league. In other words, the Chiefs haven't kicked or haven't kicked back after having big performances. And the biggest reason I anticipate them to continue that trend is the biggest reason in all this is why this is actually a big game for the Chiefs. They're only 2-2 two two in the AFC right now. The Chiefs still very much have a legitimate shot at the one seed. That is that is very much still in play for the Chiefs, even though they have the Bills have the tiebreaker on them. But they they know that although dominating NFC opponents is always a good thing, I think Patrick Holmes is sixteen and two in his career against NFC teams. Beating AFC opponents matters far more in the grand scheme of things when it comes to playoff seeding. And in, in my opinion, I think most opinions here, the Chiefs are catching the Titans at the perfect time, and the Titans couldn't be catching the Chiefs at a worse time. The Chiefs are 2-0 after statement wins this season and have matchups with AFC opponents in eight of their ten remaining regular season games. This is a big game for them. They don't want to go down 2-3 and three in the AFC while having a slate of AFC games coming up. And here's, it's so cool like how, I, how we have our show at the end of the week because we get to see everything that comes out right before we do our show. We don't have to react to things afterwards. I didn't originally see this game as a statement victory. I was going to make my whole spiel about how this isn't a statement win and the Chiefs don't need to go out there and make a big, boisterous statement like they did in weeks one, four, and seven. Until our brother and producer Clay Windler did some digging and found an audio clip of Titans defensive back or defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons making himself a little statement. I'll play it for you guys so you can hear it. Out the guest line, welcome in uh, the talented defensive tackle for the Tennessee Titans. Let's say hello to Jeffrey Simmons. Um, and maybe just touch on, on Kansas City because they do have some different wrinkles for what they're doing offensively with the new players that they've added. They, We know them. They know if they haven't changed. And honestly, we, we might be missing a couple pieces, but we haven't changed. And the same with them, you know. I, I, I see. I see. I watch tape, so I'm, I'm looking at the offensive linemen that we have to play against, and I, I'm very confident that we could go up there and dominate them. So, and um, you know, I'm looking forward to the matchups up front, whoever it may be, or Thune or Trey Smith at the guard position. But you know, I, I'm, I'm very confident in our defense going out there and having a great day. Dominating them. That was, by the way, credit of uh, Sirius XM NFL Radio. That was earlier this week. My question to Jeffrey Simmons, it's, it's a simple one. Why would you do this to yourself and your teammates? Did he not see what the Chiefs did to the Jaguars in 2018 after Telvin Smith told the media to come find him after the game? 
Did he not see what the Chiefs just did to the Bucks a month ago after Shaq Barrett predicted it to be a quote-unquote coming out party? And the funniest part about this is Simmons is calling out the same unit that Shaq Barrett called out, the Chiefs offensive line. The same unit that made a profound statement against Barrett and the Bucks defense. And it, here's the thing. If I was a Titans fan, I would love the confidence. I would. I actually love it now. I, I like when people feel that way and can say those things. I wouldn't want them to say shit. But here's exactly. <laughs> I I love it. But here. But why must you? Why must you learn the? Why can't? Why do you have to learn the hard way? Is my question. The bear, man. He doesn't know by now that Patrick Mahomes and Chiefs pay attention to this stuff. Whether they downplay it to the to the press and the media and say, oh yeah, I don't really pay attention to that. Yes, yes, he does. Yes, he does, and we have proof of this. Patrick Mahomes was. Patrick Mahomes was counting down his draft number while clapping Mitchell Trubisky's cheeks on Sunday Night Football in Chicago in 2019. Two whole years after being drafted and winning on his way to winning a Super Bowl, after winning MVP. Or when he tweeted the notes emoji after being ranked the fourth best player in the league by his peers in 2020's NFL Top 100 list after winning MVP and Super Bowl MVP in 2018 and 2019 the years previous. And not to mention that in their matchup just last season with the Titans, they destroyed the Chiefs 27-3. Jeffrey Simmons, of all people, put dirty hits on both Patrick Mahomes and Trey Pancake Papa Smith. You don't think these dudes remember you. You don't think these dudes are paying attention to what you have to say of all people. Which, by the way, Jeffrey Simmons is questionable for the game. Right. Didn't practice all week. <laughs> and he's the one out here talking. Great teams and great players throughout history of all sports constantly look for an edge or a ship to put on their shoulder in order to keep them hungry and focused. The Chiefs have been great for five years now. Pat. Patrick Mahomes has been great since he stepped in as the Chiefs starting quarterback five years ago. And Jeffrey Simmons just put an entire bag of Doritos on Patrick Mahomes and his offensive line shoulder pads. The Chiefs are coming off a 21-point road win versus the top-ranked defense at, the t- at that time in the league. Patrick Mahomes was only touched three times in that entire game. Coming off a bye week... Teams can tend to come off a little lethargic and rusty. And if we know anything about the Chiefs this year, they have been a team that primarily this season has dealt with slow starts to games. And you know what? Maybe that happens again. Maybe the Chiefs come out and look a little sluggish, look a little unmotivated. But all I'm saying, based upon these comments we just heard, credit to our guy Clay Winther and Sirius XM NFL Radio, don't be shocked if the Chiefs come out guns blazing. Do not be shocked. Oh, and by the way, guys, in case anybody hasn't heard this yet, because I know everybody loves to talk about it, uh, Andy Reid is 20-3 and after the bye week yeah. in his career. <clears throat> and this is the brass tacks of it, and I want to get your guys' take on this, and then we're going to give score predictions. The Titans are 19th, and 19th ranked in pass defense while allowing the fourth most passing touchdowns in the season, despite facing quarterbacks like Daniel Jones, Derek Carr, Matt Ryan twice, Carson Wentz, and Davis Mills. They're giving up those numbers, and over half their season has been against those guys. Patrick Mahomes is going to go off in this game. I hope everybody understands that. He already has multiple games this season. In fact, four of his seven games this season, he has three-plus touchdowns. This is going to be one of those games, everyone. Please pay attention. Please mark my words. 
This might be actually Patrick's best statistical game of the season. So and I'm not saying that so lately. So you're picking the Titans. Yeah, so I'm definitely picking the Titans to win by 17. No. Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, Juju Smith-Schuster connecting the way they have. MVP to MVS connection they got. Goat-to-goat <clears throat> connection. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. The running game being effective enough. The offensive line having another chip on their shoulder to look at another defensive lineman talking shit. Another defensive ed- uh, edge player, whatever you want to call him. Guys... I would be shocked if this game's within twenty. I'm being serious, and and and, and here's the thing, guys. The 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 uh, the Titans' offense is 29th in scoring offense right now. Tannehill might be out. Malik Willis looked awful last week, and I like the kid, but he can't throw the ball. And they have literally no one to throw the ball to. They have no good, no good receivers right now. And Derrick Henry, I love him. He's one of my favorite players ever, and he might rush for 180 yards in this game. That's not going to matter because, as I told you guys last week, I'll tell you again: the Chiefs since 2018 are 35 and 15 in games that they allow 100 plus rushing yards. So go ahead, Derrick. Run the shit out of the ball. The Chiefs are 2-1 and one this season when they allowed 100-plus rushing yards. Run the ball. Do what you got to do. The Chiefs' red zone defense is insanely good this season. They don't, they've don't. they only allowed four, three rushing touchdowns all season. The Chiefs have. That's second in the league. They actually have given up fewer rushing yards and fewer touchdowns on the ground than the Bills. People don't think about that. People don't talk about that. Chiefs are second in the league in rushing defense this season. So even if Derrick Henry has a good game, it's not going to matter. And, and more than likely, he doesn't. Because actually, outside of the one game where they, um, in 2019 regular season, when he went off on the Chiefs, since then, he hasn't had big games against the Chiefs. Mm. They've actually played him pretty well. Well, Nick Bolton's been a big part of that. As and well. Nick Bolton's been a play, big, even the AFC Championship, he had like 78 rushing yards. Mm. The point I'm trying to make is, guys, this is a terrible matchup for the Titans and a great matchup for the Chiefs. The Titans have a terrible secondary. They are banged up across the board. Their offensive line is bad. Their quarterback play is horrendous. The Chiefs are going to win this game by three touchdowns. I'm just telling you guys that now. And unless somebody can try to show me a reason why that won't be the case, I, I, I don't know how, how I'm wrong on this at all. Patrick Holmes is going to have a four-touchdown game this week. He's going to have over 350 passing yards, and he might not play in the fourth quarter. We saw, like I said, the one true team that's even comparable to the Chiefs, the Bills, the Titans have faced, was the Bills. And it was on primetime in Buffalo. Shellacking. And it was 41-7, to and Josh Allen didn't play for a quarter and a half in that game. And that was a healthy Titans team. That was a healthy Titan team. This is a banged-up Titans team, not feeling great about themselves. I know the record looks good, but they're not a great team by any stretch of the imagination. And they've been feasting, barely feasting, on bad teams. They're about to face a juggernaut. They're going to get clapped this week. I'm telling you guys right now, Titans are going down big. Yeah, um, and this is also a game where the Titans, if they lose, they can just lay down, and they can they can deserve it. They can they can weather the storm of losing to the Chiefs. I mean, they, they can very well, they most likely are going to win their division still. Right, so there's no real worries about losing this game to the Chiefs. You know what I mean? So if you lose to the Chiefs and the Bills in, in big fashion, it's not that big of a deal. They're most likely going to win their division. Um, and, and and listen, man, I understand the record Andy Reid has against the Titans in his career. It's not good. Um, there's two teams that the Chiefs have t- over a, a long time span have struggled against, and it's the Colts and the Titans for some reason. Um, they tend to have our number or at least keep the games really competitive and close. Um, I believe Andy Reid's like 1-8 and eight against the Titans or something like that. It's pretty bad. But – after the bye, the, the matchups make, make fights. And the, the Titans teams that we've faced over the years with Andy Reid and his career as a coach have been much better than these teams that they're, they're putting out on the, on the field this week. Um, Tannehill's probably not going to play. If he does give it a go, I don't know if he's going to survive it. Um, if they get down by 20 points, they're probably just going to pull him. Um, Malik Willis looked pretty bad last week. Uh, granted, he, he, he's 
That was his first time starting. Yeah. Um, and this would be even a worse spot for him if they start him and put him out there. This trying to play, you know, go toe for toe, toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes and putting up points. I think we're going to boat race these guys. Um, I think we're going to go out. We're going to start early. We started late last week against the Niners. That could have been costly if we didn't explode after that. Um, I don't think we spot them 10, 15 points like we've been doing. Um, this is not an offense you fear. They don't have A.J. Brown anymore. A.J. Brown absolutely destroyed us last time we played them uh, last year when we only put up three points against his team. A.J. Brown ate us alive. It wasn't Derrick Henry. They don't have Traylon Burks. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you got Bobby Trees out there who's a corpse of himself, of what he used to be. Honestly, after that injury, he hasn't been the same. And the chemistry is not there. There's no consistency outside of the running game. Um, Dontrell Hilliard is a good scat back for him. He's been playing well in the passing game. It's like kind of like a slot receiver at times. He's effective. Uh, Derrick Henry is obviously a beast. Um, he's probably going to score. He's probably going to have 80 to 100 rushing yards. Fine. That's fine. He can have those yards. He can have that touchdown. I'm, I'm going I'm to chalk him up for that. I think he gets that. I think he eats. That's fine. Uh, but I do think we win by multiple scores here. Um, this is a game where it's easy to say, hey, you know, as a Chiefs fan, they've always found ways to keep it close. We've always struggled. Uh, yeah, that's that's fine. Um, also, last week, um, the, the Bengals have been known for, what, the last 12 weeks uh, that they haven't allowed a single touchdown in the second half. The, the Browns went out there and scored two-plus touchdowns against them in the second half. Um, so, yeah, trends tend to stop at some point. This is one of those situations where the trend stops here. We, this game is not close. The Titans do not force us to play down to their level, which we've done numerous times, and that's been at our fault, not really the, the star potential or the star talent of a, the Titans team. That's This is just a bad Titans team they're putting out there on the field this weekend. And um, Sunday night football in Arrowhead. If you put Malik Willis out there, it's going to be a slaughterhouse. But even if Tannehill's out there, I don't give him much credence. He's, he's banged up. He's not healthy. His mobility's not going to be there because his ankle. He's not a great thrower of the football. Um A.J. Brown's not on this team anymore. Derrick Henry, they're going to lean on him. I don't care. They can go out there and have long drives and score a touchdown or hit a field goal. We're going to go down there and march and throw all over their secondary, and they're going to have to keep up with our pace of offense, and good luck. We're going to win by multiple scores in this game. It's not even close for me. I got the Chiefs winning this game. Uh, Not because they're good. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Obviously, we all know that the Chiefs are the better team in this matchup, especially with the, the, the health issues that are going on with the titans right now so with their starting quarterback being questionable for sunday we don't even know if he's gonna play i know he practiced the first two days of the week but i think uh on wednesday he did not practice thursday or friday i think he practiced practice for the rest of the week obviously they're missing their number uh their uh, first round uh pick wide receiver Burks, yeah. with that injury other than derrick henry i don't see this offense doing any kind of thing against the chiefs and and I, I, we do struggle against the run, so I know uh, Derrick Henry is going to get those. It's going to get those yards, and I think that that would be the only way I can see the Titans really beating the Chiefs is uh, having Patrick Mahomes on the sideline and not not having too many drives uh, and just extending the clock, just keeping possession of that clock. Uh, I can see that can be the only way I can see the the Titans really going in there and keeping this game close and possibly winning at the end. But I think I think Arrowhead remembers last year. Uh, everybody that's going to going to Arrowhead remembers last year. They they almost took Pat out. Yeah, uh, that was dirty fucking. That head, was a, man. yeah. He fucking need him to the head. Forget. Yeah, need him to the head. Right. So uh, yeah, uh, Arrowhead's not gonna uh, Arrowhead's gonna remember this. Chiefs offense is gonna remember. Patrick Mahomes is gonna remember. And like you said, they pay attention to what other teams said. We saw we saw what happened to the Bucks. When they open their mouth, 
they, they, they trash talk our offensive line. It's like, oh, it's the same. You know, we're just going to dominate the, right. the game. They went in there. They were dominated. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, they couldn't get to Pat. They yeah. couldn't. They yeah. just couldn't. Uh, so I just don't see anybody from the Titans from seven actually beating our guys. And then you got potentially Lucas Niang pl- coming back and playing. Uh, I doubt it. No, nah, he won't play this week, but yeah. he'll be back. He'll but be he's, back. Yeah. He's, uh, so Wiley's going to want to keep that spot, you know, so he's going to have to perform this week if he really wants to compete for that for that starting the starting spot with Niang mm-hmm. uh, because we don't know how Niang is coming back from the injury. So Wiley, this is a, a perfect game for Wiley to prove that he can start over Niang and and he can show show against the Titans. Uh, Orlando yeah, Brown, too. Pitch Orlando shot, Brown, man. yeah. Wait, and yeah. also the Chiefs are getting healthy while the, the Chiefs, Titans are getting yes, banged up. McDuffie's back. McDuffie's back. back. Willie Gay is going to be – he was a full participant in practice. Mike Dan is back. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be missing Frank Clark, but really that's – Yeah, it's a suspension. But, yeah, Jody Fortson's is the only player that's missing because of injury. Yeah. So – and it sucks. I love Jody, but let's be real. Chiefs are going to be just fine without Jody Fortson. And, yeah. and, and like I said, the defense is getting healthier. And so that's why I think we all three feel so confident because there's no one place outside of running back where the Titans have any yeah. real advantage. On, on paper, this this game is a blowout by the Chiefs on paper. That's why the, the line being 11 but, and a half. But we've seen in the past we've seen in the past years that Andy Reid and and his team uh, and, and the Chiefs teams have struggled against the AFC South. Uh, AFC yeah. South. No, you're right. Every, we lost to the Colts already. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and we, we Every, tend to blow out teams that we shouldn't, and we tend it, to play down to the potential to play down to the level yes. of teams that we should. So yeah, I wouldn't that's be frustrating. like it's I said. I wouldn't though. be surprised if the Titans keep possession of the ball and keep this game super close towards the end. I wouldn't be shocked if it's a low-scoring game and Chiefs win by a field goal or a late touchdown. You know what I mean? And that's why. Uh, th- that's why. And I want to give Mike Vrabel credit because I think he's a damn good coach. Vrabes, he's gonna ha- he's gonna have this team motivated in this game, just like he had them motivated in Week Two against Buffalo. And then we saw how that game went. After the second drive of that game, that game was over. The Titans couldn't do anything. And I'm just, for me, man, it's it's a matchup thing. And the Titans just do not match up good with the Chiefs at all. They have a terrible secondary. They don't have a pass rush like other people think. I mean, I know statistically their defense looks really good. Who's gonna Trevor? Who's gonna Trevor? Who's gonna cover Travis Kelsey? That's, out that's there? exactly it. Like they Hooker's no, out. Hooker nobody. Hooker's out for the game. Like, he's not no playing. No answer, Travis like, Kelsey, bro. That's what, <laughs> look at the energy report. While yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. officially out there. Um, yeah, and 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 again, Jeffrey Simmons is questionable. Didn't practice all week. Yeah. So the guy that's talking the loudest, guy that's trying to get a contract extension himself, is the one that's out here saying these things. Good player. And yeah, he's but. a good player. I I. I like Jeffrey Simmons. Yeah. I'm like, but just from that perspective, like, bro, just keep it docile. Yeah. If just, I'm his teammates and I'm like a fan, I'm like, fuck, dude, why? Yeah. You, why would why you, you say that? Yes. Yeah. Like, I know you're asked a question, yeah. but I would go the political route. Oh, that's a great team. Patrick Holmes is so great. Their offensive like line Bob, is like so Bob great. Was doing before they played. Yes. Uh, Diffuse Patrick it. Patrick the epitome of a Hall yes. of Famer wearing the you know Derek, Derek Thomas shirt. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So here's the Tennessee Titans uh, full injury report. Uh, Tory Carter out. Amani Hooker out. Big. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons questionable. Uh, Kevin Strong questionable. Ryan Tannehill questionable. Bad Dup- Bud Dupree questionable. He's always hurt. Uh, he's 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 sick. Yeah. Oh, so, he's sick. Okay. So he's and then you have uh, according to this report, Derek Henry's dealing with a foot injury. He was yes. limited limited participant Wednesday. Did not practice Thursday. Full participant uh, Friday, but I mean, yeah, he'll be fine. I he's, mean, if he's carrying an ankle injury, that he's been dealing with that like for a few weeks now. Yeah, they, so, they, yeah. yeah, they have to put that down, but, but yeah, he's fine. Yeah, I, uh, Ben Jones not injury related. 
so, so those are all yeah no, unnotable. I don't yeah. care if they're fully healthy. A hooker, Hooker's the massive loss because of the one guy in their secondary that can even play decent is him, and he's their only strong. They're gonna safety. have to do their yeah. best to try to scheme Travis Kelly out of the game, and then that leaves everyone good else. Good luck, man. Yeah, the Chiefs, eat, other like, than Jody Fortson, the Chiefs are all good. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they're all for Mike Dana being back is such a nice acquisition, man. I mean, I know that uh, Colin Saunders and uh, and Derek Naughty were good on their on their injury report as well. Not only are we more healthy, we're adding weapons. Yeah, man. <laughs> Willie Gay's fine. I know he had a hamstring scare, but he's fine. Yeah. Trimmick Duffy being back is such a big thing. A and the Chiefs are obviously so confident having him back. They let go of Rashad Fenton, like I said at the beginning of the show. My question before we get to the key players. How much do you guys think Kadarius Tony plays in this game? Because I know Andy Reid said to the press that he's expecting him to play. I think if we do see Kadarius Tony on the field, one or two things. It's special teams. I do think they trust him already, especially because he's proven that throughout college and in the NFL. But I, I think the only way he takes offensive snaps in this game of any magnitude is if the Chiefs are up 28 points, 30 points, and they're just trying some stuff out. And, 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 so we'll and, see and, him plenty. And you, that could be right. So I'm saying, like, contextually, yeah. I don't think he's going to play when the game's close because the Chiefs aren't just going to throw him out there. Because, as I said, as, as great as Odell Beckham Jr. has been, they're not going to just throw him out there. It's even more so for a guy like Kadarius Toney. So I don't expect him to play important role, an important role in this game whatsoever. But if the Chiefs are up 31-7, to seven, I, I see him playing. I right, can, we'll let him play quarterback. I can, I, could, <laughs> I could definitely see uh, Tony taking uh, snaps away from... Uh, uh, don't say Sky Moore. Sky Moore. You really think that's gonna I, happen? I, I could potentially see that. I mean, Sky Moore is not. He's I been mean, solid in receiving. Yeah, he's been good. But I, I can see Tony coming in here, take a couple, uh, a few, a few snaps away from Sky Moore. I mean, add some spice to this offense. See what Tony can give you in this offense. Yeah. You know, like kind of, kind of see what you can do with Tony out there on the field. I don't think it might happen. I don't think we might see a lot of it. But I do think he might take some snaps away from Sky Moore just to see. Uh, what we can do with him? Obviously, we are, he already took Sky Moore's spot in the the punt returns and probably kick returns. So yeah, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean that wasn't that wasn't Sky Moore's specialty, but um, I think I think we'll see him out there. Um, I actually think we're going to see him in a red zone package here or there. Um, I think if things get tight, I think he's one of those twitchy guys that's hard to stop as far as like lateral speed. I seen the videos. I could see an end round play to him. I could see something like that. I could see a little shuffle pass like we do. You know, he, he comes across the uh, oh, the yeah. line. And Patrick gives him a little shovel pass, and he actually steals the ball, and he takes it, and he's just gone. He's quick. He's, he's, he's quick. twitchy fast like Tyreek. Not as fast as Tyreek. But he's quick. But he's very twitchy fast. He's got that twitchiness to him, and I love him. Uh, I love that skill set about it. I think we'll see him out there. I'm not, I'm not expecting a lot unless we are up a lot, but um, I don't think we need to see him. I don't think that's a necessary thing right now. We have guys that we just had Nicole Hartman have a hat trick. You know what I mean? So we got guys that can produce since this matchup. Um, so... I do think he will re- return some punts and some kicks, possibly. Yeah. Um, I think he's very deadly in that. He's, he's like I said, he's twitchy. He's very good at that. He has a skill set to have that vision to know where to, you know, make guys miss. So I, he's one hundred percent in my mind going to get some work on that. Um, but I'd say he'd be out there for fifteen, twenty snaps, maybe tops. I don't think he's going to get too much work. But I do think I agree with you. I think we're up, you know, twenty plus points. Why not go out there and you know. Get him some trickery plays, some in, some in round plays, some little screen play, plays, and maybe see if he can what he does in space. Yeah, kind of get an idea of what he can do in this offense. Yeah. Uh, why not do that? I mean, that's that's a that's a win win there. So, I don't think he plays too much though. But I am I am excited about the signing. I am. Yeah. Okay. Well, and then uh, when it comes to key players or key figures in this game for me, um, I'm going to go right to the Chiefs' offensive line. 
I think they're going to have another amazing game. I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to get sacked in this game. I think they're going to make sure he stays clean. He might get knocked down here or there because he likes to hold the ball. But I, I think that he has another 49ers-esque game where he stays clean in the pocket. They protect him. At, and, and honestly, guys, people aren't, it's so funny how people only want to talk about when he's struggling. But Orlando Brown's been good for like three straight weeks now. He's been yeah. really good. So we got to give him, and that's been against legitimate defenses. So let's let's give him some credit too. Now he's going up against a defensive line that just is, is only good against Bad I mean, offenses. Wiley, Wiley, Wiley is coming off a great week too. Yeah, he, yes. Give him credit. That, he they they schemed Bosa beautifully. Saying, he's it's it's, it's yeah. kind of kind of like kind of like last season where where they started off slow. Mm-hmm. Orlando Brown, same thing last season. Then he took off after like week six, seven. Yeah. He took off. Yeah. So, so I think it. I think the offensive line is going to be a dominating force in this game. I think that the like I said, Patrick Mahomes is going to he's going to put up some big numbers in this game because also here's the other thing. <laughs> uh, Patrick Mahomes is playing primetime in this week. Josh Allen's playing a noon game. So the whole narrative aspect of MVP conversations are starting to really come into full swing. Jalen Hurts just played Thursday, <laughs> Thursday football. So he got the nation to pay attention. Well, and if Josh Allen loses, exactly. and then Patrick Mahomes is like, that's oh, what I'm saying. Guys, I think, I think there's a better yeah. chance that Patrick throws five touchdowns than less than two. I'm being I think Patrick Mahomes is gonna put I think they're gonna I think the Chiefs are gonna pile it on because to your point also about the AFC South aspect of things. I think you need to place a bet they wanna week. yes, I think I'm gonna have to do I, I might actually start placing bets. I know I never place bets. I might have to start doing it. But I think Patrick's going to put up over 350 yards and four touchdowns in this game because, like I said, Chiefs go out there and blow out a 5-2 and two team on primetime television. All of a sudden, the next this whole next week's going to be, is Patrick Mahomes now the MVP? Because, again, even if Josh Allen has a good game, it's a noon game. The nation isn't going to be watching that game. Everybody's going to be watching the Chiefs-Titans. 20 million people watch Sunday Night Football. That's what I'm saying. So Patrick, he knows what this game means. It's, it's going to matter yeah. something to him too. Primetime pad is a big thing. Oh, yeah. And so so offensive line is going to make him look good in this game. My second key of this game is Steve Spagnuolo. I think Steve Spagnuolo is going to do something that I think he's been wanting to do. Player, I'm saying like a key figure, a key figure. Steve Spagnuolo, he's I think he's going to blitz. I guess I, I think this is I think this is going to be Steve Spagnuolo's best game as a, as a defensive coordinator this season. This is a great spot. I, I think this is a great spot. He's going to stack the box. He's going to because this is Steve. He loves to he loves to blitz. This is the perfect team to blitz against. If if I'm Steve Spagnuolo. I'm telling the Titans, I'm going to have one-on-one coverage like he did against the Bills. This is the game you do that. Absolutely. One-on-one coverage, leave those dudes on an island, force Malik Willis slash Tannehill to throw Reed, that ball. Justin Reed float around. Yes. Yeah. Tell them, please, throw the damn ball. Chuck the ball. We're rushing you every single time. We're blitzing you. We're going to pressure you. We're going to make sure Derrick Henry does not get off. We're going to hit him in the backfield. I think Steve Spagnuolo is going to have an awesome game this week. He's going to shut this uh, Titans offense down, and he's going to make it very easy on Andy Reid to get Patrick Mahomes set up for, for success, offensive line set up for success. I think this could be one of the easy, most easygoing games of the season for the Chiefs. Trevor? You know uh, LeJarrius needs going to have to get a blitz in there at some point. Uh, you know it. It dials up edge. those nickel blitzes. All I the think time. he's the best in the game at those corner blitzes off the edge. He's so fast. Could be, yeah. So yeah, Dude, beautiful. It's beautiful. Sneed's the best guy for those. But yeah, um, yeah, I like those calls. Um, I'm going Isaiah Pacheco in this game. Okay. I know you have Pat throwing a bunch of touchdowns, which he could. Yeah. Um, and one of those passes could be a, 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 a passing touchdown to Isaiah Pacheco. I think Isaiah Pacheco eats this game. This is finally his kind of coming out party. Uh, they named him the starter last week. It was a tough matchup against a tough front. It's really tough to go off against that. Um, so they kind of they had a, added a little trickery with McCall Hartman really finding his his avail his ability to find the end zone and uh, just using him with this skill set. Um, so they didn't get Isaiah Pacheco like a full package. Um, this is the way the game went. Um, I think this is the game we do it. I think Isaiah Pacheco gets 15 carries. Okay. 
I think he gets 15 carries and a few, maybe two, three catches. I think one of those catches could go for a touchdown. I think he rushes one. Um, I'm not saying he scores two touchdowns, but I think he scores this week. I finally, he finally gets his first NFL in-game touchdown, regular yeah. season touchdown. Um, so that's my guy offensively. That's who I like. I think Travis Kelsey is going to absolutely ball in this game. I feel like that's a layup, though. I think yeah. Kelsey is going to absolutely eat. Yeah, I think he's going to push maybe 100 yards, maybe a score here. Um, I think that's a layup call for that. Um, so I think that's there. But I.J. Pacheco is my guy for the offense. Defensively, I'm going Carl Loftus again. Okay. I've, been, I've been pushing for it. I think this is the game where he can get a multiple sack game. I think this is where he can get, you know, get back on the get on the board. I know he has a half sack, but I think this is where he can get, you know, claim two and a half sacks in this season. I think he can go get a couple, especially if it's Malik out there playing quarterback for the Titans. I think that he's he was making a lot of mistakes. He looked really shaky in the pocket. I like the kid, but he's he doesn't really know if he's going to run or throw the ball. He looks kind of just real real antsy. I think that's Carl uh, uh, has been getting nothing but pressures every week. He's always there. He's just got to finish the play. Yeah. And I think this is the perfect game for him. Uh, with Chris Jones obviously getting a lot of the attention up the middle, I think they're really going to focus on keeping Chris Jones out of that backfield. I think Carl just takes the opportunity, especially with Frank Clark being out. I think he knows he needs to step up a little more and be that guy. Um, and I think that this creates a lot of open opportunity for him to, to showcase his talent. And I think he gets there with the pressures. And I think he finishes. And I think he gets himself a couple sacks this game. I so. like it. Couple sacks for Carl Loftus and a touchdown for uh, for um, Isaiah Pacheco. Eddie, who you got? You ready? Let's do it. I'm <laughs> oh, ready. ready. I, I think I think this is a Juju game. I think Juju and Patrick Mahomes. I've seen the connection this past two weeks. Alive, man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this past two games. Whew. Yeah. I hope they play Call it's of Duty. Real. It's I, real. I hope they play Call of Duty last week. Yeah. Right. Pick I, hope, poison. I hope they play Call of Duty last week when it came out. I hope they play <laughs> Call of Duty Friday when it uh Yeah, I think this this is a Juju game. I, I think what we saw from Juju against the Niners, if he if he repeats that against this Titans defense, dude. It, we can see him over 100 yards easily by uh, 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 by halftime or, or third quarter easily. I just I just think him and Patrick Mahomes are starting to have that connection that we expect to have in week one. I'm so excited to see it, especially with a Titans team that obviously has a really bad secondary. And I think Juju has that size to just run over whoever comes and tackles him. I think he has the speed. Man, I'm excited for that game. Uh I think I do think he might score two touchdowns this game. I like catch, that. Catch I like two that. touchdowns this game. Uh, I think it, the, against the Niners, he deserved. Those he should two. have three in yeah. that game. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is the he game have like where four in the last three weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the this is the game where he's gonna have two, two, uh, two touchdowns in in one game. I love it. Uh, for defense, for defense, give me Snead. Okay. I think I think Snead uh, him in the blitz packages him being able to get to the to, to Willis or, oh, hell, <laughs> yeah. Malik Willis or Ryan Tennant whoever it is those uh, disguised blitz packages that Spagnola likes to do with Snead oh man I I can see him getting a, a sack Strip or two sack. in there yeah fumble force a fumble in there especially with the Titans uh, uh, if they, they they start falling obviously back in, in, in with with the score. They're gonna have to force the ball, you know, start forcing the ball down the field, 
And I think that's going to be a perfect, perfect time for, for Snead to go in there and do his thing. We've yeah. seen it before, and I mean, it won't be shocking if he does it again. So yeah, I, I yeah. think this game. I think this game is as very as almost an identic, identical representation of what took place in Week Two in Buffalo. Uh, I think the Chiefs are going to win this game very soundly. If I'm if I'm going to make a a score prediction right now, I think the Chiefs are going to win this game, thirty eight to seventeen. Uh, something of that nature. Uh, I think that the the Titans can maybe get a garbage time touchdown, but at the majority of this game, it's going to be thirty eight to ten, something like that. Derrick just... Henry scores on point. Yeah, I think I do think they maybe get an early touchdown, and then the Chiefs just kind of ignite and you go on one of those runs where they just love to outscore a team and four four unanswered touchdowns like they love to do. Because I will say the Titans have Patrick scored... is not playing fourth quarter. I will, I will get the Titans. <laughs> I could very well see that the Titans have scored every single time in the red zone this year. Yeah, every well, single that's time. The beauty of Derrick John Henry, but maybe. they're not in the red zone a lot. Exactly. So, but they. Yeah, when you have Derrick Henry, you're likely to score unless yeah. Nick Bolton has something to say about it. But yeah, and then and they, they in the Bills game they scored first on the first touchdown. I think if they they were up uh, seven, so. I don't really remember. Or it was a close game. He scored a touchdown early on the first drive, mm-hmm. and they didn't score for the rest of the game. Yeah. So that's I, how I, I feel about this game. I I, I think that's what's gonna, exactly. And I I think the Chiefs are going to really let up though. I think they're at the end of the game they're going to just kind of ease up on defense, As play shell, and then they're going to get a, like a late game touchdown. I think I think at halftime the Chiefs are going to be up like twenty four to ten. Or, uh, yeah, twenty four to ten, and then they get a garbage time touchdown in the fourth quarter. The Chiefs. I think, I think Dontrell Hilliard's going to eat a, eat a lot over the underneath. Yeah, he gets a lot of like dump off passes, and he gets a lot of receiving. And being yards. being a great team or a really good team like the Chiefs, your numbers season wide season wise don't look great. I think right now they're like twenty fourth in total defense. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the context of some of these games, the Chiefs have been blowing teams out, and so their defense oh, just yeah. eases up, yeah. and it makes their stats look worse than what they really are. But in the grand scheme of things, they dominated that opposing offense, so they weren't actually as bad as they looked. I think that's the same kind of game. I think that you see the Titans, like I say, put up 180 rushing yards, but it doesn't even fucking only matter. stat I care about. It's the dub. It's the column. dub, exactly. And I think the Chiefs are going to win this game very handedly. What, what, what score do you guys see this game being right now? I'd say high 30s, low Mid to high teens. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I think that's that's a fair assessment of how I think this game is going to go. I think they'll they'll be trans, but I think we're going to boat race these guys, yeah. man. Same. Same. Okay. All right. That's where we that's where we have things with the Chiefs and Titans. You guys, let us know. Hit us up on YouTube. Let me us know what you guys' score prediction is. How you see this game going? Key players, key group players, uh, units, coaches, whatever you guys got. Let us know what you guys think. But we have one more order order of business to get to, guys. What's it called? Hold this L. Each and every week, we finish off each and every episode with a series of L's in the world of sports. Where those L's are friendly or not so friendly L's in the world of sports. We promise you, who is ever holding those L's in the world of sports? Deserve those L's in the world of sports. Mr. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo, 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 who's holding the L for you, and why is it F1? That's not F1. Uh, I'm going to give it to all those messy haters uh, that kept calling him. Uh, he he doesn't have the leadership skills. He doesn't have those uh, the, the voice in the locker room. Uh, he's not a great of a player. He's not a true captain. All these messy haters who, who happen to be Ronaldo lovers. I don't oh. give a fuck. Uh, there's a video that that was released uh, that's that's circulating Twitter a couple of days ago uh, from this documentary uh, when Argentina won the Copa America in 2020, I believe, or 2021. I can't remember. I think it's 2020 or 2021. Well, the, the last one, the, the yeah. recently one, um, and they won it in in Brazil. Um, and they showed before that game, they showed the speech that Messi gave to the players. And it gave you chills. It, it, it even motivated me. It's like, let's fuck yeah, let's go do it. I'm not even Argentinian. Right. You know what I mean? Like it motivated me. You're Argentinian in that moment. Yeah. Dude, it gave me chills. Gave yeah. me goosebumps. It, 
it's just him, you know, saying it's like, we're here for a reason. This cup was supposed to be played in Argentina. Uh, now the fate made it to where we're playing the final against Brazil in the Maracanã, which is the Maracanã is the the most known Brazil stadium because obviously Brazil always wins there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have those uh, once in a once in a lifetime victories, like when Uruguay played uh, Brazil, they they beat them. Uh, and then Argentina, obviously Argentina, Brazil being the, the 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 rivals, the biggest rivals, I think in the world, to be honest with you. Uh, and then beating them in their home country when that final was supposed to be played in Argentina, man, it, it's just him, how he delivered that speech, how everybody paid attention, how during the game everybody was like, you know, just focused on Messi, 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 and then. At the end of the game, when they finally won the cup, at the end of the game, the final whistle, no players celebrated by themselves in that game. I saw that game, and not not one single player celebrated until they went and picked up Messi. They literally, they gathered around Messi, and then they started throwing him up in the air. <laughs> and being I, a little guy, that probably wasn't hard for them to do. And, but every, yeah. <laughs> and every single interview after that, every player said, this is for Messi. Mm. This cup is for Messi. Sound like he's got the respect. Sound like a this leader is, to me. Yeah, this is this is this this is for Messi. This is cup is for Messi. We owe the we owe this to Messi. Mm-hmm. He's taking us to finals, World Cup finals, um, Copa America finals, back to back years. I mean, back to back tournaments. Couldn't win it. Couldn't win it. Couldn't win it. Mm-hmm. Finally, the fifth one, the fifth final uh, uh, of Messi with Argentina. He finally did it. He finally won a major trophy with this country. Something that they, that many haters kept saying. It's like, well, he can't win with Argentina. He can't win with Argentina. They're going into the World Cup with like a 30-game 30, 30, 30 uh, non-losing streak. 30-plus non-losing streak game. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That just to me, it, it, anybody or any any that has anything to say about Messi not being the leader, not being the captain of the team, not being anything, you're stupid. You don't watch soccer. You don't know what you're talking about. So all those people that hate on Messi, I think Messi is potentially the greatest player we've seen ever, ever. So he deserves his respect. He earned that respect. Give him his respect. So all those haters, you got to do me a favor and uh, hold, hold this, this L. L. It's almost like you know people that hate on LeBron. Trevor, who is holding yes. the L for you this week? Yeah, you don't respect greatness till it's gone sometimes. Um <laughs> So, Baker Mayfield has been cleared to play football for the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he remains benched and on the sideline as the backup to P.J. Walker, who's a former XFL uh, quarterback. Um, P.J. PJ Walk-On, as I like to call him. He's played <laughs> well. Good. He's played well. <laughs> the throw of his life um, last week. Not only, not only is Baker Mayfield not playing quarterback, he's been forced to uh, take some snaps at defensive end during practice. <laughs> Um, I, I really didn't know that. I did not know there's, that. There's footage of – you guys can go find it. There's footage and there's pictures of, of Baker Mayfield lining up, playing defense. Oh, shit. Uh, uh, and, you know, Baker Mayfield being like, you know, his uh, – he keeps it classy, but you know, like, he's actually not enjoying what he's saying. Uh, he came out and said um, – acknowledging because he was questioned about the benching and uh, him playing defense uh, during practice with the footage that was uh, leaked or whatever. Because um, there's like actual picture you can see him out there lining up, um, like getting low and lining up a defensive line. Uh, it's hilarious. 
Um, his quote was, I'm rolling with the punches, helping this team out in any way I can. I came here to win. If my role is to help PJ out from the sideline and or and or help this defense out in the scout and the scout team, then I'm gonna do it. I'm just gonna do everything I can, uh every, with do it with everything I can. That's just who I am. That's him just passively aggressively, you know, avoiding to actually address what's actually happening. To become um, a distraction. Yes. And I get it. Through the first five games as a Panther, Mayfield completed fifty nine point or fifty four point nine percent of his passes for nine hundred and sixty two yards, four touchdowns and four interceptions. And multiple fumbles. Um I think he might be the most fraudulent Heisman winner of all time. I think he's got to be up there. Um, and I was a big supporter of Baker. Matt Leinart's pretty close, but yeah. That's true. That's yeah. true. Baker's probably had a better career than Matt, Matt Leinart. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's been in playoffs. And, yeah, So, uh, but still, he's right up there at that list. His pers- He's got the personality as a star. We've seen that. We all wanted him to be the next, you know, what Johnny Manziel should have been, right? That's all we were, especially for Cleveland fans, they wanted him to be that. Just never panned out for the guy. Um, I supported him. I, I was hoping he'd be something. I never saw it. So, I mean, obviously I've been off that, that wagon for a while now. It just sucks to see, you know, him coming in under this team. The Panthers wanted to see something, hopefully get something out of him. And he came and beat out P.J. PJ Walker, an XFL quarterback. It's just rough for him. I think the, tra- the trajectory, of, I think he's going to be from here on out. I don't know if he's ever going to be a starter in this league again. I think he's going to be, and that's that's crazy to oh, say, man. That's crazy to say because Baker was like, you know, where he was drafted, all these things, going to Cleveland, being the hope for them, and all these things. How much has changed since then? Um, to him taking steps on defense uh, for the Panthers in practice, um, yeah, it's a rough, it's a rough, it's a rough have time to be Baker Mayfield. Right have you now. seen the video where he's aiming at the little thing where yeah. like Patrick Mahomes does the touch he, drill? It's oh, like it's yeah, like yeah. the touch. And fans are giving wall. shit, yeah, dude. He hits yeah. the wall. That, that, that coach was <laughs> like, it just, it just keeps. I don't know. <laughs> you saw the coach. I don't like to kick guys when they're down, but this just feels like an opportune time to to kind of give uh, the not so much flowers to Baker Mayfield, whatever the opposite of flowers would be. These flowers are done, died a and while L, ago. Be an L. Yeah, throwing tomatoes on the stage instead of flowers, I guess. Um, Commercials are better than. <laughs> he, he is very charismatic. Yes. He has a good personality. He's a He'll definitely be on TV one day. Oh, He'll definitely for be on sure. TV. Oh, if Mark Sanchez yes. can make it on yeah. TV, he definitely will make for it on sure, TV. For sure. I, and I like imagine, it. Imagine him on college game day. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, he's, he could reign, his, reign supreme there because he was a dominant college yeah. player. Yeah. yeah, I like I'm saying I like Baker. I like who he is. He's, yeah. he's a fun character in the sport. He's a fun personality. But, man, he's going to have to do me a solid favor here. and Hold this L. Yeah, and to your point about him being a backup, I mean – yeah, you assume that, but where is he going to make it next That's year? He might be out of the league. Like, think about that. He he may not be on a team next season. He's not yeah. good at football. And I get it. Like the quarterback, I can see the Colts going to get him. I mean that that's a possibility. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe Jets. Yeah. Maybe teams like that. Like a team I don't know. Yeah, there there will be teams. There'll be suitors. But I'm saying like I don't think it's like an assumption that yeah. he's gonna be on a roster next year. I don't yeah. think there's an assumption. Maybe the Lions or something. He's I don't bad, know. Like he's, I said, maybe yeah. he comes a great pass rusher. Really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put that film out there. See if he can get through. <laughs> well, he's made his bed. And Bro. speaking <laughs> of making your bed, you know I love that saying. If you make your bed, you gotta lie in it, right? Grown men make decisions. Grown men gotta live with them. The trade deadline came and went, and we know there was a couple players out there that were very vocal about trying to move on from their current status and current situation. Uh, the, I believe the deadline was at 3 o'clock, if I'm not mistaken, on November 1st. At 3.03 p.m., one Brandon Cooks took to Twitter and said, quote, 
Don't take a man's kindness for granted. Covered for the lies too long, those days are now gone. Or those days are gone. Cross the line with playing with my career. End quote. A lot of people were like, oh man, Brandon Cooks has got to get out. It's it's only right that Brandon Cooks gets an opportunity to go and play for a contender. Other names and other people were attached to, to Brandon Cooks. You know, there was trade opportunities, and it didn't happen because the Texans didn't budge. And quite frankly, Brandon Cooks has a very expensive contract, and he'll be 30. Undersized, injury problems. Teams weren't trying to take down that guaranteed $18 million next year. So rightfully so, in my opinion, the Texans didn't move him. And the thing about this is, the only person that's to be blamed for this is Brandon Cooks. Do you know why? Because, and I'll show you guys real quick on here, that on April, let's see right here, April 23rd, or April 7th of 2022, Brandon Cooks decided to sign a two-year extension with the Houston Texans. Did anybody force him to do that? Even though we all knew the Texans were going to be a bad team this year, they were projected to win four games. Brandon Cooks decided to go there, or stay there rather, and cash in. And at that time, no one was really blaming him, but there were other contending teams that were interested in Brandon Cooks. Probably wouldn't have paid him the way the Texans did. Out of sheer desperation alone, the Texans paid him that money and were gladly going to give it to him. But now here we are. They're a one-win team, and he did not play against the Eagles because he's all pissed off. Buddy, no one forced you to stay with the Texans. You had a market. You were 28 years old. You had a chance to go and make decent money and play for a team that maybe could win a Super Bowl. Now, you're looking at a lottery team, and you're on the books for next year for $18 million. Congratulations. You get $18 million, and you also get to hold this L. I threw you guys off on that one. You like that? Holy shit. <laughs> We're going to close the show out so Eddie can go to the hospital. <laughs> I'm used to it. Oh, <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, so enjoy that one, Brandon. That's all for you, buddy. <laughs> Whew, it's been a fun show, fellas. We've, I think we've covered all the. I think we've covered everything, right? We've done everything we needed to do here. I hope you guys had fun as we do each and every week, man. It's been a fun. Man, we're we're closing in on 200 episodes, guys. That's 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 impressive. Most uh, shows, most podcasts don't make it past episode seven, mm. and uh, we've done about 184 more than that. So we're doing pretty damn good. It's been a fun day. We've had a fun weekend with you guys. I hope you're enjoying your life, enjoying sports. That's what we do here. We talk life. We talk well. We talk sports, and we enjoy our lives. And uh, that's what we do here. And I appreciate every one of you guys that, are, that that join us each and every week. And like I said, spread the word, man. Let the people know to where to find us on YouTube and subscribe to the channel. We definitely appreciate it. We appreciate all the feedback we got. We actually eclipsed 3,000 members on our spoken pa Facebook page. That's where all, all this started. And uh, I never take that stuff lightly, man. Yeah, I, I know everybody. I know other pages and other uh, other places, they, they have big numbers and things of that nature. But I, I appreciate each and every one of you guys. Everybody that contributes, whether we agree or disagree on things, you contribute, and that's that's something I definitely appreciate and do not take lightly. So thank you guys all so much, and thanks to the guys that I'm about to mention. The great Clay Windler puts all this together in the back, and our producer that is is such an MVP for us each and every week does this stuff, man, just out of the, the goodness of his heart. Man, he does not have to do that, but he does, and we love him to death. Trevor Tool, my brother, uh, we've done this since we were children, uh, <laughs> and, and this, we, this is what we do. This is what we love, being on here each and every week when he's got a busy-ass schedule of his own with kids and uh, a full-time full 
full-time job, everything. He still does it, has time to take away from his selfies and j- joins us to talk sports. We appreciate that. And obviously, Eddie, man, you know, having all the things he does, he's out of fucking town every other week. But he's here, gives us thought-provoking questions, throws in some nice little jabs, and lets us know what's going on, on the other side of the pond when it comes to international sports. Man, I would we wouldn't have that if Eddie wasn't here, so I definitely appreciate that as well. I'm Lance Twidwell. This is episode 191 of the Spoken Podcast. I'm the guy that runs my fucking mouth on here all the time. Hopefully you guys enjoyed enough to put up with it. But the Spoken Podcast, episode 191, is done, finished, infinito. And so we're here for 191 to talk about the Chiefs versus the Jags and reflect on a big beat down the Chiefs put on the Titans. We out of this bitch. Gonna get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the spoken. I might actually stick. I might actually stick around for a little bit.